What is up? And welcome to Mostly Film. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan McWhorter, joined by my illustrious co-host, J.P. Payton. Hey, what's up, guys? It's been a week since we've... We all had one whole week without us. Yeah. So I hope y'all just went back through and listened to our beautiful voices over and over and over again mm-hmm. uh, just to get a feel for us. Um, let us just fill your ear cavities with our sweet goodness of film knowledge. Uh, so anyway, last week was a brutal week for me and I just couldn't record last week. Yeah, life uh, happens, man. It did. Last week was a life week and yeah. it, it hit me hard. Uh, but we're back this week and uh, I spared you all a favor because... I was last week's episode was going to be loaded because yeah. I'd already watched to see not counting Terry Gilliam films. There's two. So I go three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven movies. Yeah. I kept checking letterbox because, you know, that's what I do to get a, a vibe for everything. And I just see keep more movies racking up. And but I'm like oh. on my watch list or what? Because I wasn't. Yeah. So I made a mistake. Yeah. I got behind the ball on <laughs> reviews. It's OK. I, I know, but I can't not write them. So one day in one 24 hour period, I knocked out because oh, it was a week past. I'd watched and I'd wa- wrote my review for Alice Darling, Baby Ruby. Uh, the price we pay and men and chicken. Yeah. I wrote all of those within a 24 hour span, but they were all like days or week behind sure. from watching them. So now I still have freaking angel heart, sexy beast, light sleeper, nine days, miracle mile and take shelter. Well, plus the zero theorem in Brazil. Yeah. To write. So we'll talk about those but, and hopefully that'll prime the pump well, for, I've, I've just made a decision that, cause what happened, what happened with these was yeah. what, what take, got me behind the letterbox, the what take got us, me behind the letterbox yeah. eight ball here is it started with Alice Darling. Normally, when I write a review, I write it immediately after watching. But I was like, I'm going to watch a double feature. So I watched Alice Darling and then immediately started Baby Ruby. I just rated them so I know what I'd want. And I got my quote from each film ready. Well, I did that for all of these movies. And by the time I'd watched a double feature, I was really tired. I was like, I'll write the reviews for these two tomorrow. Yeah. Went to work. Didn't think about it. Got home. Did another double feature. Oh, no. Now I'm four movies behind. And that's just how I did it. So I can't do double features like that anymore unless it's like a one-off theater thing. So like I went and saw Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania last night. Yeah, wrote my review, started on it last night, finished it this morning. That's what I have to do. I got to yeah. get back into that habit because if not, I'm just in bad shape. If I was to suggest just something, mm-hmm. I would just review, you know, like the current stuff that you're doing, like the current movies being released. Well, these I like old that. ones, these old ones that we revisit, we kind of talk about to kind of like sprinkle in some, you know, yeah. good stuff for one thing listeners. I've stopped doing. Yeah, is trying to do a paragraph of cinematography each time because that for somebody like how am I going to write a paragraph let's go for Men and Chicken yeah. about the cinematography of Men and Chicken it's good it's a great film it, and the no, cinematography is good some good cinematography but it's all kind of the same that paragraph in a lot of ways sure. you know? so I cut that out and for the older movies unless they just really impact with me I'm streamlining them a little bit gotcha um, but I still want to write them because I want to go back and recollect it and should we ever start like uh, erect a uh, yeah Yes. Website. Okay. I like to have like a full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get we get a blog going for that yeah. type of stuff. I thought we were going to say OnlyFans because I said yeah. erect. Uh, you know, I was at a Southern Baptist preaching one time. Actually, it's a Pentecostal one. I think I just say Southern Baptist. That guy was a big, looks like a Southern Baptist type preacher. Sure. And he said, you know, we have we celebrate the life, the death, and the erection of Christ. He did. Okay. He said that from the pulpit. Yeah. Didn't mean to, obviously. I think deep down he did. No, nah, it was an old Southern man. Mm-hmm. He did not mean to. I think to. deep down he did. Maybe, but he, uh, he he didn't miss a beat though. He kept going. And like most people didn't miss a beat. That's just a, that's just a bonus story for you. So we're going to change things up a little bit today because I do have, we are going to discuss those films. I do have a little disclaimer though. I have not seen this week's, last night's episode of Last of Us. 
What? I went and saw Ant Man last night. Okay. I had to work today, so what? I have I have. So here's here's our options for Last of Us happening right now, live on the air. Yeah, we can discuss last week's episode, and you can give me light spoilers for this week's episode, or we can double up next week, or we can triple up next week. I'm trying to think exactly. No, I think we got to. I think we got double up next week. So double we, up next week. So we'll just talk about last week's Last yeah. of Us this which, week. Which really a week behind. This yeah. is a week behind episode anyway. Yeah, we're playing catch up here. So. All right, so let's do. We'll just talk about the week before tonight and go from there. So we're skipping trailer roundup because we have a lot of movies to discuss, and I don't want to do them any injustice. Um, but housekeeping, the only thing I, I didn't re-listen to the pod, but yeah. the only housekeeping I can really think of is that was not the Fast X trailer we discussed on the yes. one. Yeah, we found out shortly after, like two days, maybe yeah. the day after day they released after. a Fast X actual trailer. Yeah, um, it still doesn't. I think I'd prefer the mashup of the other films. <laughs> yeah. but we'll we'll talk about those next week. Uh, and then the only really one of importance would have been Air. We got the Air trailer with Damon yeah. and Affleck, and it looks good. I'm excited. I mean, to go it, see it, that one. it looks like an Amazon movie. Like, it, I mean, it, there's nothing luxurious about it. You know, it, it's it's going to be what it is. I'm I'm curious is if we actually get a full frame shot of Michael Jordan or if this is solely just going to be based off his parents, but who knows? I bet he had to sign something off to be. Oh well, yeah, no, he's definitely behind this. I bet he got a yeah. I wonder if he's like a producer or something on it. We'll have to see. I think he has a film like a, a production company. Really? I think hmm. that'd be housekeeping for next week. I, I no could clue. just be getting him confused with you know LeBron because you know LeBron, LeBron does. LeBron, yeah, yeah. Um, who knows? So, oh, Super Bowl happened though too. Yeah. Uh, go Chiefs. I, you know, I don't really care. I'm not a fan of either team yeah. to be honest. Uh, I do want to say I do want to plug two things real quick. And JP, one of these is really for you, but it was also really good. Your wife released a single. She did. Yeah, that was last it's week. It's really freaking good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So my wife, Caitlin Payton. You can find her on all streaming. It's services. even funnier if you say her maiden name and the middle name because it just flows good. Caitlin Aiken Payton. Payton. <laughs> Caitlin Aiken Payton eating bacon. Yes. Uh, Caitlin Payton on all those streaming services. It is called Thorns. Uh, it's really good. It's a banger. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it's, a, it's got like a very dark melodic thing it's to it, which very, I'm a sucker for those minor melodics. Yeah, it's, it's very so. uh, personal. Um, so, yeah, if you're into the singer songwriter type of genre stuff, you should give it a listen. Yep. And I want to plug one song too. Not any personal friends of mine or anything like that, but Story of the Year released one of the best songs I've heard in like 10 years called 2005. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of like an ode to like the days when they were touring in 2005, and it just hits me in my emo soul. Hits you? It hits me hard. It gets me hard, both both ways. You know, nostalgia. You know, I'm a sucker for it. Um, And they even like it's it's just good. Listen to 2005. (laughs) So random music plug, but I've just listened to that on repeat. So let's just jump right into the news. We're starting with the news today. This is a one off episode where we're switching up to change up because we have so many movies to talk about. So let's start with the news. Um, di- I just had a sip of Diet Coke and I left the burp out. Um, <laughs> it's bound to happen. The Disney 100 celebration uh, is here. It's upon us. And we got a new Disney kind of like uh, title card trailer. It's on Disney Plus. It was played at the front of the Super Bowl. First of all, I feel like we were just celebrating 50th stuff for Disney because like the park, turn- like Magic Kingdom turned 50. Sure. I don't know. Something turned Did 50. Pixar? Did Pixar do something? Dude, I don't know. I'm so Who confused. Knows? I'm like a Disney fanatic. Yeah. And I'm so you see my black and white Walt. Uh yeah. So I that's new. Abby got it for me for Valentine's Day. That and Hogwarts Legacy, which nice. Oh my gosh, Hogwarts Legacy is it's nice. 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 I was wondering what you would think about it. 
Uh, it's one of the greatest games so far. I'm, I'm comfortable saying right now it's tracking to be one of the best games I've ever played. I'm really interested to see how they expand it because obviously there's no, well, on no the, plans. On the title for... screen, it says additional content, but it's grayed out. Yeah. So they, you don't put that there unless you're planning for DLC. Yeah, I, I thought that might just be well, like... I'm, I'm, what house did you get sorted in? Hufflepuff. You're a lucky bastard because yeah. I got sorted to... Can you guess which one I got? Slytherin? Gryffindor. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I Gryffindor. It been one or the other. I, I knew it was going to be one of the two. I figured yeah. it'd be a Slytherin Gryffindor, but no, I got sorted to Gryffindor. Yeah. But um, you have an exclusive mission that no other house has. I, I Do you yes, know this? I don't know if I've done it yet, though. I can't remember. Do you remember. know where you get to go? Uh, you're the only only if you're in this house do you get to go to this location I don't think I've been there then you get to go to Azkaban yes I have done that quest yeah Jack, no other Jack house Jaw. gets to do yeah. that Jackjaw Jackdaw I've done that whatever. Jackdaw yeah the headless ghost yes I've done that mission so that's what it was you get yes. to go to Azkaban how cool yeah, was it's, it it's part of that quest it's it's pretty creepy oh lucky you yeah it was that's pretty early cool. on in the game well I don't know I guess it depends it's a side mission but. It, it borderlines uh, JP jump scare territory you know oh, where I was were there little... mentors there and stuff yes are you serious yeah I'm pissed off I didn't realize this was <laughs> I didn't realize it no just... so after I got sorted I googled to see if there were any exclusive quests yeah. for houses and afterwards it said Hufflepuff is the only one that has and an honestly, exclusive quest honestly Hufflepuff have the best common room you know Gryffindors is pretty neat nah it's, it's basic have you been to all the rooms uh, Caitlin I've only been in the Gryffindor I've seen a little bit of the uh the Slytherin haven't seen. Ravenclaw. This is really a sneaky pilot for our mostly gaming podcast. So, <laughs> which I would not be in, by the oh, way. No, that would be me. I'd, I could solo run that one. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Hogwarts Legacy is real good. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan. Um, like I said, I'm always. I think I'm an advocate for saying gaming is just as big of a like a release and escapism as film is. And yeah. Sometimes better storytelling because you can stretch it over 22 plus yeah. hours. So, anyway, so Disney. They're celebrating the 100th uh, since Disney was founded, I take it. Uh, the new Disney bill is pretty cool. Uh, we got some teases of some different things. But ultimately, I mean, I'm going to Disney in May. So I'll get to see some of this 100 stuff in action. I found so, out I'm going to be going in October. You get First time ever? Uh, no, I've been to Disney. It's just oh, been okay. a while. Have you been there since Star Wars Land's been up? No, haven't. Oh, bro. So, yeah, looking yeah, forward you're to going to cream dream yeah. right there, baby. Can't <laughs> wait for you. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited for some of the stuff that it dropped, some of the stuff that it teased. But overall... Not much really to it. It was just all over the headlines a week ago, but yeah. honestly, not much came of it. I thought we were expecting something more. Um, the biggest news out of all of this is this one right here. Okay. There's a sequel coming for Plane. Which you were really high on. I liked Plane. I yeah. thought it was... I expected to like Plane more than I did. I, I, I liked it. I, I was but, sold on Plane. It's just generic, cliched action, but done well. Yeah, yeah. And my reason for not liking Plane was for the unreasonable... Dismissal. If you haven't seen playing, yeah. If you haven't seen playing, just well, we've already warning. spoiled it in previous episodes. That's yeah, but fine. if they're just jumping ahead, they're joining us for the first okay, time. Yeah. You know, welcome. Ooh, yeah, welcome. Uh, yeah, the, one of the main characters. Dream, yeah, pretty quick. <laughs> one of the main characters. I forget his. I forget the actual actor's name. Gerard Butler. No, Luke Coulter. Luke Coulter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, Luke his, Cage, baby. His just exit stage right whenever, you know, everybody is evacuating. Well, now we know why. We know why now. Because yeah. there's a sequel coming and you're never going to guess what the name is. They're sticking with it. Like, everybody's <laughs> been universally panning playing because it's just called Plane. Yeah. This next one's called Ship. Seriously. I'm not shipping you right now. I'm not full <laughs> I'm not of ship. Shipping. This isn't bullshit. I'm serious. It is called <laughs> Ship and Luke Coulter is on it. Ship, yeah, ship, yeah, baby. Uh, I, 
I'll watch it. Yeah. But I, I want Gerard Butler in it. I don't feel like Gerard Butler's going to be in it. I think if they get through this one, the next one should be truck. Or train. Or train. Bullet train. Or or sp- spaceship? I No, rocket. not ship. Rocket? Yeah, rocket. rocket. Or uh, orgy. <laughs> just, I mean, that's a train. Throwing, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I get. I bet they will make a sequel now, though. But unfortunately, yeah. the third one will probably be like Jean Claude Van Damme and oh, what's man. his name? Who uh, knows? What's that guy's name? Oh my gosh! Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, like one of the Steven Seagal. Oh, there we go. I don't know if it's Liam Neeson. Uh, you know, that feels right. Marlowe's in theaters right now. Oh yeah, I almost went and saw it. I forgot about it. It is still playing. I'm off. I work this week that I'm off for 10 days. I think I'm going to try to go see Marlowe if it's yeah. still playing. So mm. we'll see. We'll see. I haven't seen any reviews in a negative way either. So it's probably because nobody's seeing it. Probably. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, it's getting a, it's a, they're really calling it ship. Uh, I mean, I like playing enough. I'll watch Whatever it, but works, I'm not man. overly optimistic for it. Uh, third story. Do you watch Yellowstone? Nope. Okay. I, I need to. <laughs> I need to. I want to watch it. And me and Abby want to watch it. Like, my in-laws watch it. Uh, a lot that, of some of my friends watch it. Is that a Showtime or Paramount Plus? Paramount Plus. So I could watch it. You could it. watch it. Um, I might. Is Succession back on, by the way? It will be in March, I okay, believe. Okay, we were talking about last night at dinner. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, I still only see the first episode, so. I've been a little busy. <sighs> but I will eventually watch it. I, yeah. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Um. So, Kevin Cosner is the main star of Proper Yellowstone. And now there's like two spinoffs, 1923 and 18-something. It's a bunch of dates. Yeah. I don't know. Um, one's got Harrison Ford, though, which, love that. Yeah. Um, anyway, but the Proper Yellowstone, Kevin Cosner is your main guy. Uh, circles around him. He's like the foundation of the series. However, uh, there's been a lot of, about a week ago now, there was, there was a lot of speculation that he wasn't going to, the show is in jeopardy because he's not going to be able to film any longer doesn't want to doesn't really. want to film yeah. anymore yeah um so upon digging into that a lot of people found that he may be being a little bit unreasonable because he's got a four-part miniseries movie coming western coming out too so he wants all of his filming to be done in a one week shot just one <laughs> week he wants all of his stuff filmed in a week which that's it's not unrealistic except for that's fine for one person but you know you have to do the other scenes without yeah. overimposing other people there and you don't know what their schedules look like so now they're in this big negotiation thing. I don't think it's hit ahead because I haven't seen any news about it since. So my question is, Kevin Costner is a powerhouse Hollywood guy. Yes. And Yellowstone TV, as we've discussed before, is now, I would say if it's not, it's almost just as an impactful and effective media medium Yeah. Um, as film is. So Kevin Costner moving to film, you know, that's that's a huge attraction. Can yeah. he, is he being unreasonable in this? No, not at all. Because... Is it because he's Kevin Cosner? Well, because and the same way Harrison Ford could probably throw his weight away, part, weight around. I think part of it is you never know how successful a show is going to be until it hits that success. And when Kevin Costner, Kevin Cosner is thrown a large check in the beginning to just come onto the show, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's not a huge like big vision board for like where they really decide to go. They'll they'll pretty much write it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this this show like blew up way more than I think that they probably ever imagined. So much so that they're, they're doing all these spinoffs really quickly, by the way. And also very well done. Yeah. Apparently. It's getting great From what reviews. I hear, yes. Uh, I did you see who they have... I guess it was serious enough and they don't know he's coming back enough who they tapped to replace him, though? No. Matthew McConaughey. To replace him? If, if it didn't work out, yeah. 
That was everywhere. He'd been contacted. I think you just kill him. I think you just kill him all. That's what I'm saying. No, no, he yeah. wouldn't be the same character. But have Matthew McConaughey oh, be, the like yes, be the Yellowstone. Be the Yellowstone lead. Gotcha, gotcha. I see that working. Yeah, I I think you'd run into the same problem though. Like that is a a big movie star. I yeah, don't, I, but so I, is I just, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. Yeah, but they're many. Like they're they're not meant to be longstanding series. You don't think 1823 is a perma, perma series? I, I have no idea. I haven't watched them any. I don't know. Hey, did you ever watch the uh, Shrinking? I haven't. No, I haven't either. I need to watch that too. Nope. So me and oh, me and Abby started Severance. I've seen it all the way through. Yeah, but me and Abby were two episodes in. She's hooked. Good. Let's go watch episode one. three. It's so freaking good. And like watching it with a fresh set of eyes is amazing. Yeah. Like it, with with the perspective. Yeah. of Watching it. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watching it with hindsight. Is yes. Like there's so many things. Like when uh, Irv looks under his fingernails in the uh, first episode, he's got black yes. underneath him. I don't want to say anything because I listened to it. I was like. Oh my gosh! What? Yeah, Earth obviously was, that didn't make didn't mean anything to me the first time I watched it. So anyway, I don't want to talk about it anymore because Abby's watching it with me. So anyway, um, so Kevin Cosby, you don't think he's being unreasonable? Not at all. Okay, I'm, I, I kind of don't either because I mean it's also killing, killing Kevin Costner, and Diet Coke really does make me burp. I didn't yeah. realize it until like when I'm self aware of it. And, and you're right just now, talking more. Like, yeah, stirring the pot. Um. So let's go to the next one. And now this one, people are hot about. People got takes on this one. So Penn Bagley, is that how you say his last name? Bagley. 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 Uh, everybody knows him as Joe Goldberg from you. Before that, he was, was it Gossip Girl? He was in Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl, are we sure? Yeah. Okay. I always get that one in Pretty Little Liars. Like, yeah. I don't mixed in. Pretty Little Liars. So I didn't watch either. Yeah, he's been around long. He's been around for he's a while. He's older than you think he would be. Yeah. He's like 40, isn't he? Yeah, which is why I don't think it's Pretty Little Liars. Okay. So, um, yeah, so he has come out pretty yeah. vocally saying he is no longer doing sex scenes, uh, which people are like, you're an actor. You're being dramatic. And he's, he's stating that, you know, he's just at a point in his career and his life and his marriage that he feels like it violates his yeah. marriage and he's making a stand against it. Uh, and people are upset. Now, let's clarify. Is he's going to he... have intimate scenes. Into just scenes. no like nudity, sex, no skin on skin. Correct. Okay. He will kiss. He will like I, you know, I would say yeah, heavy, yeah. heavily fondle, uh, undress. I don't know. That's kind of okay. the gray. I, that's yeah. make he lose the fact. No. Okay. I think it's gonna be clothed kissing. Well, you can work around this stuff. Yeah. I mean CGI, baby. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just watched a whole quantum verse appear in front of me. I think you could take off <laughs> anything can happen. Pin Badgley's clothes, Bagdali. Uh, but what, what do you, what do you think about the, we don't hear a lot of this in modern day cinema. I know there's some other people that feel that way. That's some yeah. big ones. I think Matthew McConaughey may be one of those who doesn't do that anymore. That, I, I mean, I personally have no issue with Me neither. this. I mean, like it, these, especially if you're established, I don't think you're going to get very far in Hollywood. If you come out the gate saying, Hey, listen, I'm not going to take my clothes off and show my Peter. Yeah. Well, granted. <laughs> Most guys, it's a it's a double it's, standard. It's women are like I think about Emil, Amelia Clark. Yeah, like she was like expected to show her hoodies to the world, and yeah, um, like it's. But now, but now she's a clause. So you won't do that anymore. Yeah, but uh, even in the later seasons of Game of Thrones, she's like, hey, I'm not gonna do this anymore because she had such fame from it. Like, sure, or not from her hoo-hahs, but you know, just in general, just from but, the role. Yeah, I don't get why people are mad about it. Like. Well, and I think people have such outrage whenever your your character, the 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 character that you're identified with the most, is kind of known for that aspect. To is to the Joe Goldberg known for being like nude? I, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the 
constant action of being nude. Just the provocative sexual sexuality sexuality, uh, and knowing sexually charged nature. Yeah, and kind of whenever an actor kind of reveals that reveals them. Reveals, yeah. That. Um or conceals now. That dangle do it. Um yeah, I think it just kind of takes away the mystery of it all or the the illusion of it all. Are we talking about penises here? Yes. <laughs> the, the, I'm listening to your words, like the revealing, the illusion, the mysteries. Like, yeah. Of what? It all. Bagley's bag? Bag, yeah. I was trying to think of something <laughs> to go with the bag. But uh, yeah, I don't think this is a big deal. Good for him. For I mean, you don't see a lot of people like do any sort of morality stand yeah. out there. Um, so good for him. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, the whenever I heard this, like the first thing I thought of, it, like, of course, like this shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's more or less, uh, um, just people fantasizing about that in, in itself. Yeah. That uh, that idea of it. Are all, you one of those people? All the time. You just yeah. you you and Pen. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. About uh, this I watched series. the first two and a half seasons of it. I think I take that back. I think I watched the first two episodes. Whenever, whatever first first season's a lifetime show, legitimately. Yeah, whatever episode it is that he puts the guy in the cage for the first time. I don't even think the that's glass season cage one. is this season. I think one? It's season two. Then maybe, maybe I you watched some of season two. I think I watched some of season two. Caitlin yeah. had watched it. Okay, but um, yeah, not a big deal for me. Last news story of the day: the Baptist just happened. We're about to have the SAGs. Which is very exciting. Now that one I'm more into because that's yeah. typically the Globes and the SAGs are the two that, if they're Pre-cursed, aligned, yeah, typically win the Oscar. The Baftas yeah. are kind of a if someone wins all three, it's pretty much a shoe in. Yeah. But specifically the Globes and the SAGs, kind of like the Triple Crown. Yeah, um, you horse racing. But the Baftas were kind of surprising. Um, were they? A little, a little bit. Austin Butler, honestly, to me, is the biggest surprise winning Best Actor. A lot of people have been predicting that Elvis is going to win way more than people are giving it credit for. Not yeah. just actor, but like a lot of awards. Yeah. So I need to rewatch it before the Oscars because I liked it a lot. I've been I trying it four to talk. Stars, yeah, I've but, been trying to talk Caitlin into to watching it for the first time because I've wanted to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. I just can't warrant. I think it's like a two-hour. It's two, almost three hours. It's yeah, I, I can't warrant that much time. This is a, see, another news story that dropped today. Did you see the Martin Scorsese the run time for three twenty? Three, 320. 320. three hours yeah. and twenty minutes. Give me that. All I give me day. that Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonathan Majors from Magazine Dreams, Oscar runoff. Yeah, that's what I, I want. Yeah, there's which can't you wait. saw. Magazine Dreams was picked up. I did by Paramount by, uh, by Searchlight. Searchlight, yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. home for that. Yeah. So we still have to wait till November. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've heard. It needs some editing. Like it needs to be kind of trimmed. No, I, no, no. Okay. I'm telling you, dude. I they shouldn't mess with that movie. If they do at all, I, no. Okay, I'm, that movie's a masterpiece. Okay, it. I know what they're gonna trim. They're gonna trim some of the controversial stuff out of it if they do it. There, there's some stuff in there that I think people will romanticize, and they don't in this culture. Yeah. They won't want people to romanticize. Sure. They cut that out. It. it takes a huge chunk of the impact and tenacity I, of the film. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I just, it was just a critique. Searchlight's pretty good about letting things be pretty raw, though, so <laughs> we'll see. I yeah, don't the, want them the to The point edit. is, though, whenever movies like that are shown at Sundance, like, they're, they are um, likely to have a, a, an edit. To yeah. some, and it might not be drastic. Yeah. It might not be anything big. I'm telling you, Magazine Dreams, bro, that's one of my favorite know, movies I've ever seen. I can't tell you how many times I checked. <laughs> I checked to see if it was available to watch. Yeah, it's... So good. I missed it. Oh. So, but, no, yeah, for, for the BAFTAs, though, the Austin Butler 
uh, best actor. That's not surprising for me. I just thought being the British awards, I thought Colin Farrell. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's no bias there, but I just figured he was a shoe in anyway. Yeah, Colin I, Farrell. I think when you've got a bunch of old heads that you know love Elvis. <laughs> all things old, yeah. you know, I think it, they lean more towards that. Um, and I, I don't know. I think a lot of people see um, Colin Farrell as as a shoe in in a lot of ways. See, I don't. Really? Even for the Oscars. I love Colin Farrell's performance here, but I still personally don't think it's a better performance than... It has quiet. It has quiet down a little bit. I, I think that Austin Butler, in terms of just acting performance, doesn't mean I enjoyed sure. I enjoyed their performance more. I'm just saying, I think Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser both outperformed Colin Farrell. But I loved, I think, Colin Farrell's most enjoyable performance. Mm. If that makes sense. Sure. But anyway, so uh, Austin Butler won Best Actor for Elvis. Um Carrie Condon won Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. And uh, Barry Keoghan won Best Supporting Actor. And who won? Kate Blanchett Kate won. Blanchett. That's not a surprise. That's why yeah. I was having a hard time thinking about that. But uh, Carrie Condon, it's the first time I think she's won anything for her role in uh, Banshees of Inisherin, yeah. which was, she doesn't have a lot of runtime, but the time she does, or screen time, the time she does, I thought were super impactful. I really thought she could be a dark horse. I think this will be a one-off win for her, though. I don't think she'll win yeah. another. I don't think she'll win at the SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild Awards, or uh, definitely not the Oscars. Barry Keoghan, I also don't think he'll win anything else, but I do enjoy his performance as well. Uh, I still think Judd Hirsch is just oh, not going to win, but great, yeah. great times. But yeah, uh, Austin Butler for me is a big story, so I thought that was neat. Good for him. Uh, I think the Oscars are going to be chaos. I can't wait. I may be wrong. Are the Oscars live streaming at Cinemark? No clue. I've In front of Ant-Man, they were showing something about the Oscars, which typically doesn't happen unless they're showing it. Yeah, that wasn't at my showing. I saw hmm. it this morning. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but do you have any other things on BAFTA? Uh, no, I think uh, I think not many people care. Uh, I mean, the the outcry for it being all white. Yeah. You know. My, my thing on that is talent is talent. Now, do I think Angela Bassett, I, I would have probably given it to her over Carrie Condon, personally. Sure. Um, but, I think Angela Bassett's going to win. I don't mean this in a, as disparaging against the Baptists. Yeah, I think she'll win where it matters. Yeah, um, I, I do think it's it's humorous though. Whenever you get in the past a lot of slack for the lack of representation mm-hmm. and and for that to be what you just said, kind of like the the uh, rationale for not having someone like Angela Bassett, mm-hmm. you know, win. Um, it just seems kind of like a like if you're this type of award. Um, Ward group that that you would just you would give that to him because well, if the globes you know, you know, my, my biggest thing with globe whatever it is why does it matter if it's if it's the it, when you're in that select category though it's, it, it's probably a margin it's ranger the margin. whole reason we have this podcast is because people have opinions and they want to they there's there's discourse so there's always going to be discourse right. there's not a, this, discourse sucks nowadays well yeah i mean but, it is more black and white no no no, no pun, pun intended. intended i was like wow yeah. jp that was a good one but it it is like it's important to keep in mind because then you go years and years and years without really addressing any kind of issue, regardless mm-hmm. if one is deserving or not. So who knows? Who knows we'll what happens? I think the them. Oscars will be more diverse. Yeah, I, I think the absolutely. SAG, SAG There's never will be been too. any. Yeah. And I don't think that's even politically charged. I do genuinely think Angela Bassett should win, and I think yes. she will win. Yes. Which we will... We'll, we'll, we'll cover the Oscars one more time before yeah, the Oscars the, the hit, point being but. is no one truly cares about the BAFTAs except people oh, that no. care about these type of issues. Yeah, no, whatever. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our news. There's probably more news out there. Like I said, this was last week's news with the BAFTA add-in. So, yeah. Um, but 
now we're getting into the good stuff for this. We got some movies yeah. to discuss. Do you want to start with Ant-Man and the Wasps? We both just saw that in Fresh, or you want to save that? Let's save that towards the end. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about... Do you want to talk about something I... Do you want to start with movies so we haven't seen? Let's, we just, let's do, do start like with, we've done in the past. Okay. I never remember. Yeah. We, you start with stuff that you've seen that I didn't see. I'll hit the stuff that I know I saw that you haven't seen. And okay. then we'll, we'll do all the stuff that we've seen together. Not so let in, me start with The Price We Pay. Okay. That was a VOD direct. I knew it looked bad. Who's the director on this? I have no clue, bro. <laughs> Let's look it up real um, quick. But it's got Steven Dorff, who that's actually part of the reason I watched it because I just watched, you know, Divinity and he's the lead in Divinity. So I was like, you know what? I'll give a Steven Dorff uh, outing a go. And it's also got Emil Hirsch in it, um, which I like him okay too. Did you find it? Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, I have Ruhi Kimura? I have Letterboxd pulled up. <laughs> Who knows? I didn't um, see 2020. Wow, a very slim 85-minute sh- runtime. No, it, and, and it was somehow too long. Really? Uh, yeah, so Rahua Kitamara, he's directed Midnight Meat Train, which I think that movie's actually okay. Yeah. It's got Bradley, one of Bradley Cooper's earlier films. Um, He directed Godzilla. Huh. No, that's a weird Godzilla. No One Lives. That one's actually a decent B movie with Luke Evans. He directs a lot of B movies. Uh, sure. night, night Shift B movies. But anyway, so The Price We Pay, uh, it's got Emil Hirsch, Steve Dorff, uh, or Steven Dorff, and those are the only two names you'll probably know. However, uh, there is a girl in there named Gigi Zambato, who I thought was the strongest actress in the film. I thought she actually did a really good job, and I think she'll have a, have a bright future ahead of her. Yeah. So well, let's give you a quick synopsis here. Some things worked for me. Most of it didn't. I gave it two and a half stars, um, which is actually better than I thought I was going to give it, yeah. honestly, because the average rating is 2.5. So I'm right on the target for that. Uh, so long story short, Stephen Dorff is a former military medic who was dishonorably discharged. And he is robbing a pawn shop with Emil Hirsch, who's like an unhinged sociopath, psychopath, get off, get, gets off on murdering people. Yeah. And, and his little brother. So they're, they're robbing this pawn shop and in the back, this girl, Gigi Zambato, her, her, um, her character's arguing with the pawn shop owner. During the pawn shop robbery, it goes wrong. They end up killing some people they didn't plan on killing, whatever. Yeah. And um, they have to, they kidnap the girl because she's now, because ha- the runaway driver left when he heard gunshots. So they kidnap the girl in a hostage situation and take her away. Uh, they, there's a roadblock up ahead after they've been driving for a while. They turn on down this country road, drive for a long time, car dies. So now they're in the middle of the nowhere on this one offshoot country road. They see lights up ahead. They walk over there, see what they're going to do, right? Yeah. They, uh, so, oh, yeah. So the movie, the ver- this is important. I left <laughs> a very key part out. So at the very beginning of the movie, this boy, this boy, this man drops off what is perceived to be a hooker at a gas station. She's like, you can't even drive me back into the city. He's like, I don't want to be seen with you. And he leaves her there. So she's stranded. She, okay. goes, she goes potty. And um, in the stall, the door kicks open. And you just hear these big footsteps and lights from a headlight shining in there. So the dude starts kicking in the doors, kicking in the doors, kicking in the doors, kicking in the doors, and leaves hers. She locks it, doesn't get in there. So she thinks he leaves because she hears the door shut again. When she goes back out, she's going to check, like, to leave. She opens the door, headlights shine on her again, and she gets a blow dart in her. And she falls down. This big old looking thing, like, from okay. the Goonies comes in, throws her over her shoulder, and then it cuts to the next pawn shop robbery. I was like, this is weird. How is this connected? Next thing you know, they go to this, they go to this, uh, barn it's like a big barn it's got some like ranch hand houses outside and steven em- emil hirsch wants to go in and kill everybody and hang out there because he's just 
psychopath, and his acting is ass in this movie too. So bad. I've seen some decent Emil Hirsch performances, and I think they told him to act like this, but he kind of like tried to like do a Joker kind of vibe, and it did not work for me at all. It was not good. Uh, so they send Stephen Dorff and this girl. They talk to the, like the young grand who ends up being a grandson of this guy. And he's working on the phone. He's like, y'all don't need to be here. Um, I'm not scared of you, but y'all need to go. Y'all should be scared. And immediately I'm predictable. Like, okay, whatever happened in the opening scene where they kidnapped this girl, this is where they take people. I, I, I knew that was going to happen. So he's like, but my grandpa will be home soon. You can't be here. My grandpa and my sister come back. You can't be here. You know, it'll be bad things. And uh, like, well, we're just going to hang out here for a couple hours. They go to the rent. And he's like, okay, that's fine. They go to the ranch house and they're sitting there trying to hang out uh, or wait till morning or something so they can leave. And grandpa comes back and Emil Hirsch goes and wonders and tries to find like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna find out what's going on. Let's just take their truck and let's leave. Uh, he sees an open hatch in the barn. He goes down. There's all these prison cells underground, like in a, like it looks like a sterile hospital down there. And it's got like one prison cell has a bunch of collectibles, like a cheerleading skirt, passports. It's like a serial killer's collectible hideout is what it looks like. Like he keeps the stuff. Yeah. And it's very dark and he has a lighter. He keeps flipping. He's got this like old, big old gun. And he comes across the grandson again and he's sweeping up, mopping up a bunch of blood. Okay. And he puts the gun to his head and he goes, ah, we meet again, blah, 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 whatever. You know, some cheesy corny line. And he's like, you can't be here. And next thing you know, the lights all cut off. You would not like this. Yeah. Next thing you know, this like 12 foot behemoth is walking down the stairs like a slipknot mask on. Nope. And uh, he, she, it's ends up being a, it's the sister, ends up taking Emil Hirsch, strapping him to the thing. They find the other people because they hear the gunshots. So Stephen Dorff, the former military so this guy, is barbarian, kinda. He goes, <laughs> he goes, and um, he's former military, so he puts up a good fight. But they all get tranquilized. The girl, yeah, the dad or the brother who's hurt, Emil Hirsch and Stephen Dorff. They're all tranquilized. They're downstairs. Long story short, it's the grandpa. He is an organ harvester okay and uh the grandson it's his grandson and the 12 foot it's his daughter or granddaughter who was severely abused and like mutated by her abusive stepfather i don't know yeah which he killed yeah um and she's like severely disabled too apparently and like loves to play games with kind of like mama yeah loves to play games with the people so like he takes emil hirsch's eyes and he's blind and he gets put in a room with her with his eyes gouged out and she like tortures him intensely uh but that, that that's the gist of the film there you go and a synopsis and they have to try to fight to escape and uh you know you get one of the best deaths i've ever seen in a really movie. yeah so the 12 foot girl is a spoiler here okay but i don't think anybody's gonna be beating down the door to watch the price we pay no. you shouldn't um she gets put in a barbed wire caught in a barbed wire fence like all tangled up yeah and the her brother actually the grandson realizes that she's not because the girl was innocent they only hurt bad people sure and he realized the girl was innocent and he was going to run he kind of i think loved her too you know, she gotcha. was older. they turn on the fence and the barbed wire is stretching her stretching her stretching oh. her and then her body explodes slowly oh yeah like her eyes pop out her veins all tangle like and bust like very grotesque yeah there's also a couple head impact like like they show you they show people take out their eyes yeah and this dude's head gets smashed in with an oxygen tank like see i could do that uh, yeah, it's very gory, and yeah. the, they spent their budget on the gore. Nice. And so that, the kills were nice. Overall, though, two stars for gore, half star for the girl, Zimbato. <laughs> yeah. um, you can totally skip this movie, though. Cool. Uh, so the price we pay. Yeah, there you go. So what's your next one in a more 
shorter context because yeah. that was eighty five. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> eighty five minute movie. Yeah, I just gave you a ten minute synopsis <laughs> oh, of an yeah. eighty five minute movie. Um, <laughs> so I'll go with uh, Sexy Beast. Uh, now this is one of the best films I've ever seen in a long. Like maybe not ever, but start with start with the genre. What it's a gangster, like nice. a gangster okay. heist film. This so is... this came out in uh, two thousand. Okay. And it is a Jonathan Glazer film, which I am now all aboard the Jonathan Glazer train. Yeah. We're going to have to do a director's cut of him. He only has like four movies. But if this is a, if this is his type of film, I'm all in. He did like Scarlett Johansson's Under the Skin, which I've heard great yeah. things about. And he did uh, Nicole Kidman's Birth. He only has three films. So I'm very excited for these. Anyway, so this has got a pretty, it's an older school cast. This film centers around Ray Winstone. Ben Kingsley, which he was nominated for an Academy Award for this film, yeah, which I had no clue. Uh, and Ian McShane, those are your big, big names for me. Now I was talking to a couple people who are older than me, and they like, oh yeah, uh, Kevin Kendall and Alvario Monjay. Like, I don't know who these people are, man. <laughs> so you know, whatever. Yeah. So long story short, Ray Winstone is a former like no notorious safe cracker okay. from England, and he has gotten out of the business with his wife and another one of his gangster buddies and his wife, and they live in Spain now. Um, he's been out for a long time. No one bothers him. He you know, he just kind of sticks to his own. However, there's this big heist coming up, and uh, one of his old, like his main, I guess, friend from that day is Ben Kingsley's character. Yeah. He never got out of the thing, and he's like a polite sociopath. And he doesn't take no for an answer. So he comes. He's like Sean Penn vibes. Way worse. Yeah. Like, yeah, but kind of, yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, so, you know, Ian McShane is the one who's putting all this together. And he's yeah. like uh, basically the John Wick of this, you know, like the, well, not maybe John Wick's a bad idea. Like Scarface. He's the Scarface. Yeah. Like, you don't say no to this guy and you can't trust him either. Even though it's his heist. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. There's always some hidden agenda with him. But Bing Kingsley's like his main hitman. Yeah. So he goes, he's sent to go get him to come back because they need Ray Winstone's character to crack the safe. See, his, his name is Gal. Yeah, or Dove. Gary Gal Dove, whatever. He says no. Well, Ben Kingsley won't take that for an answer and he just becomes progressively more and more unhinged and not taking no for an answer until the point like, this is a 2000 movie, but I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to watch yeah, it. Yeah, don't, don't spoil this. Some stuff happens and he ends up having to go over to England and help do the heist yeah. at his, you know, against his kind of will. But, um, the heist was super neat. It's, if I'm not going to spoil it, I can't, I can't go into too much. But I just want to talk about Ben Kingsley for a second. Yeah. I've never seen him in a role like this. Now, granted, I looked at his filmography. I haven't seen a lot of Ben Kingsley movies. I've never even seen Gandhi, which is what he won all his awards for. You know, Ben Kingsley was great here. He's nuts. Yeah. I, just nuts and like scary. Off loved the wall. It. Just... Yeah, it, it was great. This is one of the best mobster films I've ever seen. Ooh, uh, okay. But, but, in a, but in like a cheeky way. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a gangster film be this visceral, but also this light, airy and lighthearted. Gotcha. Yeah. It's very good. And Ray Winstone, I mean, I've really, I've never seen, I'm obviously I don't see a lot of Ray Winstone films that he's younger here. You know, it's 23 years ago. Yeah. He was great. And like nailed the big gangster for the, Ian McShane doesn't age either. That dude's still, no. I mean, he's obviously a little younger here, but 23 years ago, but he looks the exact same now. Yeah. Dude's like a, it's like a well polished know, rock. Cage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's got a nice, nice shine. I gave this one four and a half stars. It's got an average three point eight rating. Yeah, um, loved it. Okay, really good. If you I, like mobster films and you like a good heist film, yeah, it's it's a real good one. It's added um, to the watch list. And Jonathan Glazer, like I said, it, this is the first film I've seen by him. He is now like top. His other, he's got two other movies. Gonna watch them. 
gonna enjoy them. So yeah, great mobster heist film yeah. for me. Yes, you, me. Oh, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll go for it. If, the, if there's something else. Oh, I got it. No, I'm done with Sexy Beast because if I'm not going to spoil it, I don't want. I don't want to get yeah, any more. Don't your next one then. Um, let's talk about Angel Heart. This one was weird, but it's my kind of movie. So it's this is a 1987 film. Yeah. Directed by Alan Parker, who Alan Parker is known for. Uh, let's see, bunch of stuff I haven't seen. Fame, The Commitments, Midnight Express, Mississippi Burning. I've heard of that film though. Willem Dafoe's in that. The Life of David Gale. Yeah, I don't know. Not Don't know a lot of his stuff, but apparently he's won some stuff. Anyway, so Angel Heart is a Robert De Niro, Mickey Rourke, Lisa Bonet film. Um, I want to start by saying, <coughs> I, th- I guess this is the first Mickey Rourke film I've seen that's not modern, before he had all his facial reconstruction. Yeah. Have you ever seen a picture of him pre-facial reconstruction? Uh, I'm looking at what what's on for Letterboxd. Like that right there? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it was Mickey Rourke. I mean, I assumed, but I didn't know. And like, he was like a good, I didn't realize he was like a heartthrob back in the day. Yeah. And like, he's a handsome devil. Anyway, so he's a private, like a low level private investigator, kind of, kind of a sleazy kind of guy, but yeah. you can tell him he means well. Um, his character's name Terry Angel. And he is requested to come meet this man named Louis Cipher, which is Robert De Niro. And he's like this man in a suit, obviously meant to be dubious. Um, slick back hair, obnoxiously long fingernails, has a cane, and he's he's meant to go find um, this man. I can't remember his name. Johnny Lovegood, or I wonder if it says on here. It doesn't. I don't know. Johnny. Let's just call him Johnny Lovegood. That's who yeah. he's hired to go find, and uh, he takes the case. And Robert De Niro's character saying, you know, he made a covenant, a pact with him, and he's you know reneged on that, and he's not going to be able to pay his cost or whatever. And so, you know, Mickey Rourke takes the case and as he goes, he starts finding out it's like very steeped in the cult. Um, Like there's blood sacrifices everywhere he goes, everywhere he's everywhere he's going, he's being followed. And it's by mysteriously more and more darker forces. And you're, you're, you're led to believe that it's kind of like a Constantine vibe a little bit. Sure. Um, You're led to believe that Robert De Niro's character is obviously Satan. Um, definitely the vibe you get it's what it wants you to believe yeah and as the film goes it's a pretty long film it's you know 113 or just under two hours um, I had to watch it in two settings because I started it too late one night and I had to watch it yeah. the next day but um, it's the longer it goes Mickey Rourke becomes more and more unhinged as the, night, as the word of the night but like as the story unravels so does he because yeah. you, you I mean I would recommend watching it but the twist in this film is very good, but it's a one-off movie, kind of like Memento or Stir of Echoes. Like, once you watch it one time, it loses a lot of its luster. Yeah. But the twist in this film, I did not see coming. Um, I kind of thought maybe at one point it was. Do you want me to tell you what it is? No, I'll, I'll probably... I might, I might watch this. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty good. Um, So the tw- the plot twist is pretty good. But once again, it's kind of one of those ones without talking about the plist. Tw- twat. Woo, twat plist. <laughs> wow. Plot twist, you know, you kind of limited on what you can say. Gotcha. But Mickey Rourke put in a phenomenal performance here. Uh, Robert De Niro was weird. I love seeing these weird De Niro roles because we'll talk about Brazil later. Yeah. Uh, he's not like the star of the film by any means, but he's like top build here. I mean, obviously he's like the main presence, but the cinematography in this film is great. It's very, it's, I feel like it pushed the edges of stuff back then. Like it is a blood soaked film. Okay. Uh, so, 
And like I said, it gave me a lot of Constantine vibes. It's like the most non-horror horror movie I've seen too. Yeah. It's not scary by any means, but it's also very thematic. Dark elements. Dark. Yeah. yeah, very dark elements. But uh, Angel Heart, a very... I mean, I'm, I'm trying to watch a bunch of older films right now. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed this 1987 Angel Heart film. Yeah. So it's a good... I, how I would describe it, it's a... I would say it's a supernatural thriller. Cool. Mystery. Mystery supernatural. Yeah. Thriller. Uh, but it's very dark. A lot of blood. And you see Lisa Bonet titties. Oh, okay. So I didn't expect that either because I was like, Cosby Show, 87. True. And she kept saying she was 17 <laughs> in the film. I was like, why are we showing 17? But obviously oh. she wasn't. Yeah. That was just for the film. But I thought that was a very strange choice. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Felt weird. I felt kind of gross. So four stars for you then on this one? Yes. Four stars on this awesome. one for me. Now, this one I could go down on to three and a half. I'm not going up to four and a half. But that's probably just with the 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 lackluster or like the the sheen kind of lost on I think I think that I think twist. I think splitting it in half also. Yeah. Some movies you can do that with and it's okay. This is not one of those. I wish I would have yeah. just stopped it and started it over later. Yeah. I think that's also part of it. But I three and a half is still good, especially for an eighty seven film. But I try to take that out of it, like the sheen of it, because I know that's just part of the old the older sure. films. But um but no, Angel Heart was good. And I, I definitely recommend it to people. I, I especially if you like you said, do you like blood? You like titties, and you like <laughs> paranormal stuff. So blood, titties, and paranormal. So there you go. And especially if you like titties covered in blood. Okay. So you know it is weird. There's some weird. Talk about sex scenes. Pim Bagley could never. He, there's he, a whole. He refuses. Well, there's a whole sex scene where blood just falls out of the ceiling on people. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I felt kind of like, kind of like I did in Hereditary. Like, don't you say a prayer right now? Yeah. This is some occult stuff right here. It is. So yeah. Luna was up with me. I started playing with Luna, just passively watching. Mm. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Luna was sleeping right through it. Uh, anyway, so why don't you do one now? Okay. Because yeah, now, yeah. now I'm down to, I have uh, one, two, three, four left, minus Ant-Man. And that one I of haven't those is seen? Well, no, I have Take Shelter Nine Days. Yes, I have Take Shelter Nine Days, Light Sleeper, and Miracle Mile still. Jesus. Okay, I'll hit a couple then. Okay. So I watched uh, a recent movie uh, that was released. Somebody that I used to know. Uh, we talked one, about yeah, this a couple episodes It's one that we uh, hit up on our trailer. And you can spoil it for me? Because yeah. the more reviews I've seen, I have no interest in watching this film. I So here's the thing. I actually enjoyed this movie uh, way more than I did Alice Darling. Alice, oh, you watched Alice Darling? Yeah, we talked about it. Okay, I can't remember. It's yeah, been yeah, actually, we, we have I've had two weeks now since we recorded, yeah. so it's been. Um, so I was surprised because I think um, whenever we watched the trailer wrap up, we had kind of had like a different idea of of what this movie was going to be. Uh, it kind of seemed like it was going to be a love triangle uh, between. Well, uh, was I right? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's no, not. That's so, not their. So, that's not their daughter. No. So basically, what happens is Allison Brie the main character uh, is a documentary like producer, director. 1000% um, sure thought she was going to be like a porn star. How much they got her busting out. <laughs> is she, is she like that the whole film? There, there is a nude scene. Allison Brie, but it, it plays into like her, like the type, like her character. So let me, hold on. Let me, let me pull this. Allison up. Brie does nudity in this. She did. Yeah. She was, she is a nudist. You find out. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? That's the content people want to know. <laughs> Allison Brie does nudity. People are going to be like, oh, wow, we go to Mostly Film to find that out? Yeah. Uh, so, basically, uh, she is a director of this 
TV series that is basically, you know, like a dessert competition that you right. basically skim on Netflix type of thing. Makes sense. Um, she finds out that the show is going to be canceled. So, you know, she's depressed and has nothing else to do but go back home where she hasn't been in forever. Right. Comes back home to basically find out that the uh, guy that she ended up leaving for this job that she now has lost um, to basically pursue this career of filmmaking, directing and all that type of stuff. Um, she finds out he's getting married. Okay. And so and this is Perry Ellis. Yeah. Right? And uh, not Perry Ellis. No. Perry Ellis is like the designer. Ellis, uh, J Ellis, J Ellis. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so she, they run in together at a bar. This is, uh, before she finds out that he's getting married. They, they kind of like, spend the, that night like kind of reminiscing, spending time together and everything. Um, and she makes a move on him and he kind of like backs off and she's kind of left embarrassed. Um, so the next day she decides she's going to go, go to him and apologize, uh, runs into his family, uh, turn, turns out it is a, a, a bridal shower for him and his. Yes. So she finds out not yes. illegitimate daughter. No. So she finds out then that, He's getting married and kind of questions everything that happens the night before. Um, Did she blast him? Did she expose him? No, no. So dang it. Danny, uh, Danny Putty, uh, who is Ahmed in community, which you have not seen, which is completely depressing. I've seen a few episodes here. It's amazing. Uh, He plays uh, Jay Ellis's uh, character, Sean's best friend, uh, who also happens to be Allie, Alison Bree's character. Okay. Uh, they used to be fr- uh, friends, obviously, because you know they dated for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you've basically he he tells her, you know, kind of the backstory behind this relationship, and she's like, "Well, he f- basically finds out that uh, Sean Jail's character sought her out that night." Okay, and basically finds out the the means of why this marriage kind of like is happening, you know, scared pregnancy type of thing. Didn't, didn't actually go through with it. And, uh, uh, Allie, um, is like, well, I'm going to basically see if he's, if he's serious about this. So she basically tries to sabotage the marriage. And, um, in the meantime, she ends up getting close to the bride, the bride. Right. And finds out that they're basically the same person. And so they relate to a lot of ways of, um, I want to get her name because I've never seen her in anything. Is she? Do they end up being falling in love with each other? Chrissy Clemens. No. You find out that she's bisexual. Well, that's what I was saying. They don't, do they have a romp? Uh, no, they do not. Um, but they find out, you know, she's just this free spirit. Um, Alison Brie. No, the, the, uh, the, yes, the fiance. Which one's bisexual? Cassidy. Cassidy is the character's name. Is Cassidy the bisexual one? Is the bisexual. Okay. Not Alison Brie. Not Alison Brie. Okay. Uh, but you find out that, you know, she's just a free spirit and uh, is, is a lot like Allie and Allie starts to sympathize for her. Okay. And uh, needless to say, um, Allison and Sh- uh, Allie and Sean, I'm just going to call them by the character's name. Uh, they basically confront one another of why the relationship didn't work out, which is what it always comes back to. This film sounds very melodramatic to me. It It, it was, but not in a way that like it was a very chill watch okay um i I, what i really enjoyed the most out of it i'll just go ahead and and skip it 
Um, spoil it since you said you're not going to watch yeah, it. I have no desire to watch um, it. Allison Brie and uh, Allison Brie's character and Jalice's character, they basically come to a realization of that, you know, it was never going to work out, which I, which I thought was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was rewarding because so many of these types of movies are like true love finds a way at the end. And yeah, in, in the realization of, of I thought fa- we were, maybe we'd have a sister wives kind of thing. No, because you end up fantasizing relationships that oh. were never really meant to work out. Right. And so... Uh, a lot of movies have, was, have you fetish, fetishize those kind of things. <laughs> yes. So, And so it, it was cool to see uh, a, um, a relationship just kind of like cut dry, like this is over. And uh, Sean... So and, she ends up with Ahmed then? No. He, she ends up pursuing her film career. Uh, she doesn't go back uh, to work for the um, documentary series, the okay. baking competition. And actually does a documentary on a nudist community and that's where we get our Alison Brie nude scene. Shocking. Yeah. It was, hmm. it was, it was kind of, it was good. I the, gave the it a scene? solid, I gave it a solid three oh, stars. the rating, the film. The movie, yes. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the boobs. Yeah, so, but the movie itself, like, the script was good. Mm-hmm. I saw potential, but directing, you know, Dave Franco was like, uh, it just, there were different areas where it lacked yeah. for me. I know it's not his first, but he's still finding his foot in there. Yeah, so, but with it being a co, like Alison Brie and Dave Franco, also like they worked on it together, and yeah. I, I saw it, and I didn't realize though Does it feel was like a no pun intended, like a prime prime movie, like a not a theater yes, film. Like yeah. It definitely wasn't meant yeah, to like go to you theaters. know, like you watch a Netflix movie, it has that kind of yeah. uh, theme or, or like style to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very much like that. Mm. Yeah, the more I read the reviews, I was just like, no, this isn't for me. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, I, in spirit of, our, you know, when we get into our part two yeah. on Thursday's release or because you're listening to this, it's Tuesday you know, or later in the week, but it yeah. releases on Tuesday. You know, Thursdays we're talking about, you know, chick flicks, like what works for us, like what are chick flicks we as a male enjoy and what are some films that aren't necessarily labeled as chick flicks that could be, should be chick flicks. Shocker, there aren't many. Yeah. <laughs> Is this was this like a staple chick flick for you? Like, is this a is this a chick flick? This film? Yes, and it's a type of this is a type of chick flick that I would I would bear, you know, I would endure again. So, yeah, because if, of if Caitlin Brie. said that she wanted to watch it, no, I, I actually thought the it was good. The relationships seemed very realistic. The boobs had no part of, in the enjoyment. No part whatsoever. Okay. It was very. Brief I bet you don't see any dicks end. though, do you? You did. You oh, did. okay, that's good. Was, you know, that's the thing. Hollywood needs to be even-handed. If we're going to see boobs, men should have to show their it balls. Was, and it was very, it was... Like an erect penis? No, it oh, was okay. It was realistic. I don't think, I may be wrong. Yeah. But I don't think they can show hard-ons. I don't think I've ever seen a hard boner on TV or film. I don't know. I, I was listening to an interview recently with... On what? Um, with, uh, not David Cronenberg, in the Infinity Pool. Brandon Cronenberg. Brandon, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh kind of explaining the difference between like what you can get away with an R movie and what makes it qualify for a NC seventeen. Yes. And it's it's stupid type of stuff like that, maybe that keeps it from that. So like you have to be flaccid. Who knows? That's a weird word, flaccid. Yeah. Anyway. Uh yeah, I I I'm gonna avoid somebody you yeah, used so to know. It's just not for me. Yeah. So the next one, uh, and I'll be predict pretty brief on this one uh was brian and charles it's an older movie it, well it's 2000 like well yeah it came t- out, 2015 yes yeah. no it wasn't 2015 it was it was re- i said older. No, I know 2015 say, i consider like when i say 2015 it's like that five year span somewhere in there 2015, no it was, it's actually been more recent than that 
It was last year. Oh, dang. <laughs> that recent. I thought it was like 2015 to 2020. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, released in 2022. Uh, Jim Archer is the director. And basically... Uh, Who's the lead in that? Uh, it is David Earl. Okay, yeah. And so basically, an enduring outlier, Brian uh, lives alone in the Welsh Valley, inventing oddball contraptions and seldom work. That seldom work. After finding a discarded mannequin head, Brian gets an idea. These days, a washing, three days, a washing machine, a sundry spare parts, sundry spare parts. Later, he invents Charles, an artificial intelligent um, robot who learns English from a dictionary and proves a charming, cheeky companion. Before long, however, Charles also develops an autonomy, uh, intrigued by uh, the wider world or whatever lies beyond the cottage where Brian has hidden him away. Charles craves adventure. I mean, that basically describes the movie. It's super, like, super simple. Just a very chill, um, you know, I think if you like the uh, the vibes of the Welsh Isles, then... That's what I do. Yeah, so. it, it's it's super chill. Um, I, I immediately thought of uh, a friend who has a younger kid that, you know, that they try not to get into the whole... Uh, normal type of like kids movies for them to watch. Like this is a right. good like kids movie that you watch. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I totally. Yeah, I think it's that. a. I think it's a. PG. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I mean. I do. What'd you give? What'd you rate it? It's probably two and a half, three. Two and a half. It got. It's got pretty good reception, doesn't it? I say that. What did I? I can't remember. I don't, remember. I don't think you gave it a two and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Three it was three and a half. Like, okay. I thought it was higher Sorry. than that. Cause I remember looking at it, I was like, oh yeah, I meant to watch it when it came yes. out, but I never got around to like, it. Like it was, it was 90 minutes. Is it like the antithesis to her? It's a more childlike version of her. I haven't seen it, but I know enough of Joaquin, her. Joaquin, I haven't seen her I know either. enough. <laughs> Shockingly. Yeah. Uh, who directed her? No clue. Oh, yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. The, the lead character and stuff, uh, you know, I just like the British humor. I do too. To it. Uh, and it's the British, Scottish, that whole area. Yeah, it's my, yeah. my, my kind of thing. Like, yeah, I would, I would say watch it if you've got just time to kill because okay. it's, it's, it's a, it's an easy fun watch. Down. I, cool. I, I, it's short too, right? Yeah, ninety minutes. Yep, love those. Um, okay, I'll go. Yes. Uh, Michael Shannon. Uh, take shelter. I mentioned this is one of the sleeper yeah. Michael Shannon films. I saw this. This came out in two thousand and eleven. I saw this in 2011, right after it came out. Uh, got it at a, I don't, I, I don't know what happened to the DVD, but Movie Hut or something was going out of business, so I bought it. But I don't have it anymore. I've only seen it the one time. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna rewatch this. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I gave it four stars. I could probably give it four and a half. This is my kind of film. So long story short, Michael Shannon, he's like a, we, oh, what's that place over by Patty's? Um, Vulcan Industries. What do uh, they do? It's it's basically a rock quarry. It's kind of like that. He's like yeah. one of the foremen over there. Lives in what I would consider like a, a country kind of small town like we are here, right? They have some bad weather every once in a while, but he starts, he's a family man. It's one of Jessica Chastain's first big... Sorry, I had my laptop on and an ad started playing. Yeah, like, what are you <laughs> watching over there? It's a Pampers ad. Yeah, um... It's one of Jessica Chastain's first breakout roles. Gotcha. Uh, one of the biggest, one of the bigger films she was in. Uh, so it's got Michael Shannon, Jessica Chastain, uh, Katie Mixon, Shay Wingham, Ray McKinnon. Pretty decent cast, um, but really centers around Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. So 
they're in the small town uh, rural community, and Michael Shannon starts having these. Uh, you don't know their nightmares at first, but nightmares. And like yeah. the first one was of, and he's got like a six year old, seven, eight year old. I'm terrible at gauging ages, but six, seven, eight, nine year old daughter. Definitely not nine. She's going to like kindergarten, I think actually. So, so like early five, kindergarten, five, six, five or six um, daughter. And he has this very vivid dream that the dog was snarling outside. They're all looking up at the sky and see the clouds doing these weird, weird forms. And you think, you think it's real at first. And the dog snaps at the girl, the daughter. It's like their family dog forever. It's like a German shepherd type dog. And when he intervenes to go tell the dog to knock it off, it bites his arm. And you then that's when you realize he was having a nightmare and his arm, where it looks like he had clawed himself in the sleep grabbing it, yeah. was hurting. And he starts getting paranoid about the dog. And to the point that he eventually sells the dog to his brother, or gives the dog to his brother. Because he just can't shake the idea that the dog is going to snap. Then he starts having visions these nightmares of this big storm coming that just kills everybody, wipes out humanity. Like at first one, it starts like the rain is acid and it starts falling and burning his fingers and they can't escape. And the second one is this series of tornadoes that come through and just devastating and just ripping people apart. Then he starts seeing these birds do these weird formations outside, but those might be real. He, you, you kind of, it blurs the lines between what is his nightmares and what is real. So, Midway through the movie, and you can't tell what's visions and what's not, uh, he has this one in the middle of the night, and just, wait, you get to see it from Jessica Chastain's perspective, his wife, and he's having seizures. What's happening, he's having seizures in his sleep. Yeah. And they're so real, So, and he starts bleeding out of his nose and like, you know, biting his lip and his tongue, and he starts bleeding. So they send him to therapy. It's like psychotherapy, and, you know, they're wanting to talk about his childhood. His mom was diagnosed with schizophrenia when he was a kid, so they think that maybe he has early onset of that or something. Yeah. Um, which, you know, he finally, he comes to the point where he can't do his job anymore because he's so paranoid. He spends his whole life savings. It takes it out of his daughter's college fund and stuff to build a storm shelter in their backyard. And he uses his company equipment to do it. So he gets fired. Yeah. Well, guess what happens? A storm comes. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he had, he had a vision of his best friend, like trying to kill him. Yeah. Too. So and his best friend worked with him. So he gets his best friend moved off. So like he believes his vision. So he had his best friend moved off his foreman job, like basically demoted to get away from him. Yeah. And he calls him out at this big church. And they have a fist fight at a church dinner. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he becomes like the loony guy of the town, even though he's having seizures and he knows he's having seizures, but he still believes it. Finally, the tornado sirens go on and he doesn't know if they're real or not. Jessica Chastain's like, these are real. Let's go to the storm shelter. They go down there and he keeps them down there. Won't let them out because he thinks the apocalypse has happened up top. Finally, Jessica Chastain's reason with him. They get out. Nothing's happened. He realized he comes to accept the fact that he's crazy and needs help. <laughs> so at the end of the movie, um, I'm doing, I'm just trying to speed this along, but it's, I know you No, I know you. It, it's amazing. Like it's, I could unpack this movie. I loved this. I film. mean, do you think I would like it? Yes. Okay. It's very good. It's a I'll great say, psychological. I mean, thriller. this is, this is why we're doing it. Like to, to, to discover. encourage. Yeah. Discover. Yeah. Um, cause last year I got, like I said, I just got stuck on too many new movies. This year yes. I want to explore old movies. Yes. Um, so anyway, yeah. So at the end of the film, he goes and sees this like real like psychiatrist, not just a therapist. And he's like, we need to basically admit you. You need more help than we can just give you from a weekly session. We need yeah. to admit you for a while. And Jessica Chastain's like, can we go on this, our one annual vacation to Myrtle Beach? And he's like, ah, yes. So they go. Yeah. And they're outside. And they're on the beach. And they look up. And there's this giant tsunami wave and all these twisters over in the air. And Michael Shannon's looking at it and he looks back at Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain's like, 
gives him a nod like it's real. And we're left to kind of like the Inception spinning top. Is Jessica Chastain acknowledging it a figment of his imagination? This is the big psychotic break. Or was he right all the time having visions of the like a natural apocalypse? Yeah. Uh, great film. Okay. Great film. And Michael Shannon, like I said, he's one of the most underrated actors of our generation or not our generation, but that's alive right now. Yeah. He puts forth a great performance here. And it's cool to see a young Jessica Chastain finding her acting chops here. So I, I very much enjoy Take Shelter. It's a great, like a psychological apocalyptical thriller. Yeah. Very good. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, so I got three more. You want me to do another one or... Uh, or do you want to knock one? You didn't see Sharper. I did not see Sharper. Okay, so let me hit two more then. Um, so I saw an old one recently too. Uh, What'd you watch? I watched Ronin, which Robert De Niro. Yes. What is it with Robert De Niro this week? We got we got Brazil. We'll talk about in for Thursday's episode, and we also got Angel Heart for me. And now you got Ronin. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, Ronin is kind of. What it explains, you know, Ronan is uh, basically a um, dishonored uh, samurai. samurai. Yeah. Who Have you ever seen 47 Ronan? No, with but Keanu I, Reeves? I want to now it's that not, I've seen this. It's not good. No. But it's it's it, it's good in the worst but, ways. But the concept of this, it, it's so good. Uh, basically, so uh, a briefcase with undisclosed contents sought by an Irish terrorist and the Russian mob makes its way into criminal hands and an Irish... Uh, liaison assembles a squad of mercenaries or Ronin and gives them the th- uh, thorny task of uh, recovering oh, the, the horny case. task. Thorny task. Oh. Yeah. So I basically... Like, what is it with you and Allison Brie and now Robert De Niro's horny dude, task? I don't know, man. Uh, so yeah, the whole concept of Ronin and all that stuff, the, the only reason that you're given that is solely to, you know, say that this is a movie about assassins, men for hire. So you know? like, does Robert De Niro do samurai stuff? No, there's okay. there's hardly any even like the word Ronin's mentioned one time. So why did they name it Ronin in the third act? Help me understand. Well, because these are these are assassins, men for hire, uh, tasked by you find out by an Irish uh, liaison who is trying to steal this case that has sensitive documents um, concerning um, I don't know some some people to do with uh, Cold War. You know, it, it's post Cold War. Okay, so they're you know. Trying when to did, get the upper this hand. Come out? This is a late eighties, early nineties movie, right? Uh, Ninety eight is when 90, it came okay, out. Wow, late nineties. I thought yeah. it was earlier than that. Yeah, John uh, John Frankenheimer was the director. Uh, you John know, Jingle yes. Frankenheimer Smith. Yeah, he did. He's done a lot of of older stuff, but this is kind of the vein of movie, like the type of a movie that he uh, makes. Uh, the more popular one that uh, I've seen, I haven't personally seen, but I, I know of is The Train. Came out in sixty four. Some really good reviews on uh Letterbox for that. Train. Um so yeah, it it's this is right up my alley for the type of movie that I just I naturally just watch. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, you watched Heat recently too. We're like on a dinero kick. It's yeah. turning into mostly dinero. Yes. Um but is that just celebrating an anniversary? Michael Mann or something because everybody's logging Heat. I don't know. Right I now. think I think Michael Mann has a movie coming out soon. Okay, so people are just buffing up on Michael yeah. Mann. Because I've yeah. seen Heat everywhere, not just on Letterbox, but like on just when I Google anything about film wise, it's yeah. heat right now. Yeah. I, I've only seen Out, heat once and back in the day. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. Outside of uh, Robert De Niro, De Niro, you also get some gr- a great uh, Jean Reniero uh, okay. performance. Uh, you know, Leon the Professional. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Yep. 
Uh, you also get a, a quick uh, Sean, Bean, uh, Sean Bean appearance and also, uh, oh shoot, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan, the daddy. Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. And dude, I don't mean that in like a sexy way. No, no, no. Okay, he's, he honestly, I mean, people like to talk about nepotism and all that stuff, but. Oh, he's got all the nepo babies. Yeah. Alexander. Yeah. Uh, Bill. Bill and. Um, I don't remember the other one. Well, the other one I only know from uh, Vikings. He plays okay. Floki. Yeah. Uh, but no, there, there really wasn't. I only gave this three and a half stars. Um, it could have been more. It was just too long. Even more samurai. One no. samurai. I want to see Robert De Niro in a samurai movie. Is what I honestly the car chases in this are some of the most practical, like high intense, uh, you know, like set pieces I've seen. Better than Fast and Furious. <laughs> Fast and Furious could learn something, man. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was just super realistic, and I, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, well, the I ending the ending was the only thing that just kind of lacked for me. It was kind of like a list. So yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's worth it just for one watch. Uh, Robert yeah. De Niro, like it's classic. Speaking of Fast and Furious, real quick, I was watching a little bit of the All Star Game last night, and Vin Diesel came out with a microphone in the middle court. I oh legitimately thought he was about to sing the national anthem. Yeah, and I was like, we had Fergie do the disaster a few years ago. That was so funny, and now we're gonna have Vin Diesel sing it, but he didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, uh, the second movie uh, for me is Sharper, uh, one okay. that we Apple covered recently. Exclusive. Yes, Apple exclusive. How bad off were we on describing this film? Because remember, we, we both no. Because remember, I totally misunderstood somebody used to know, and you totally misunderstood. I wasn't just. I just wasn't paying attention. Right. So I. I so now fact checks me. This guy kind of remember. I said Sebastian Stein. Yeah. Is his son. No. Okay. See, I'm already wrong. Yeah. No. I, so. No. He's not a son. He used to work for him. You said he was a son. I said he used to work for him, and now he wants revenge. I said Sebastian Stein was seeking revenge. Okay. I Are you going to see this? Yes. Yeah, you, okay, so I can't I'm really, watch it for next week. I can't talk about this without spoiling anything. Okay. But Stein was good, you said. So these are peak Sebastian uh, Stein What does that vibes. mean? I saw that, but what does that mean? Dude is, I mean, it's just, it's a spectrum, man. And you'll get it when you watch it. Okay. There are different scenes where he is super high. And then there's was this I, a Sebastian Stone vehicle? Was this mainly his film? Uh, because you got Julianne Moore and she's a power. I, would, you got John I would say Lithgow. my big my big critique is it sh- it probably should have been Julianne Moore. Uh, no, for oh, Sebastian Stone, okay. Julianne Moore is is good in this, but I you've I just seen think, the Forgotten. Uh, yes, but I mean Boogie Nights overall, like what we were talking about Julianne Moore. But I'm yeah. saying have you ever, I'm just saying have you seen the Forgotten? No. Oh, it's one of my favorite Julianne Moore movies. Sorry, yeah. I was just off, offshoot there. Why Sorry. would you say that when Boogie Nights is right there? Oh, it's good. I'm saying it's an underrated <laughs> okay. Julianne Moore. Boogie Nights is an underrated. Although no. I've only seen it once, and it was in uh, high school, so I'm going to have to rewatch that at some point. Yeah, that's... Anyways. Uh, the inferior Bardo. <laughs> anyways, uh, I can't really say much without spoiling okay. it. Sebastian Stan, like, absolutely... Uh, just just right, Just enough. Just right. Just enough. Was he, he gave me some Trinity give you some Trinity Killer vibes? No. Nah, bummer. No. Yeah. I always want the Trinity Killer. Uh, I'm super amped we're gonna get that spinoff, I think, though. That's the one that people are like wanting. I, I think he's itching for work. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I just I, you know, he did the the old old dog, I think it was the Hulu. Yeah, FX he did that Hulu. and then he did both daddy's homes. 
Yeah, uh, but I mean, as far as like oh, recently, keep, yeah, yeah, recently yeah, yeah, yeah. he's done that, and and now this movie, I think he's, I think he's just he's needing some work, man. Which I don't blame him. Um, what did they do with all their money? <laughs> what did they do? I don't know. I mean, I feel like in Billy Bitcoin. Crystal. Billy Crystal just doesn't do anything anymore. He got his money and he got yeah, out. He don't need to, man. Yeah. He so, write he he writes a lot of stuff still he? though. I thought he no, did. No clue. He should take over for Lauren Michael and them at Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh I'm telling you, that would be great. Billy Crystal do the scripts. I'd be I'd be down with that. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so, so yeah, Sharper was three stars. It could have been more. Like when this movie started, because I got Caitlin to watch it with me. Mm. When this started, I was thinking, oh, this is this is easily going to be four. Uh, super. Uh, uh, it, it just immediately my mind started thinking where they would go with this, and halfway through. It was it was pretty obvious, and I just kind of lost interest towards the end. I like end. it when that happens. You know what movie didn't do that to me? What? Nine Days. Give it to me. Okay. So this is an all-over-the-film movie, or all-over-the-place. It's got a 3.8 average letterbox, which is a good score. But a lot of people, it ranges like five. I'm just looking at the ones, top five, four and a half, four and a half, three and a half, four, four and a half, five, 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 half a star, half a star, half a star, one, one, two, <laughs> two, 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 five, 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 five. If it's polarizing like that, it's got to be good. It, I gave it four and a half. I am in that camp. So yeah. the the summary on Letterboxd sums it up perfectly. A reclusive man conducts a series of interviews with human souls for a chance to be born. Uh, Winston Duke is your titular character. Zazie Beetz, Benedict Wong. Those are the three majority you get screen time of. Um, one of my favorite Benedict Wong outings ever. And Winston Duke, I don't think he got nominated for an Oscar for this film. Yeah. He should have. Um and then Bill Skarsgård and Tony Hale were both fun in this as well. Yeah. Um, so once again, I want you to watch this movie, so I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Um, but synopsis, long story is Winston Duke was a human alive on Earth at one point. And then, how do I say it? We're not spoiling it. Now he, he's dead. Yeah. It's not a spoiler. And he like watches all these TV screens all day. And they're like a POV point of view of different people alive. And people wander to his like shack in the middle of this barren desert with nothing around it for thousands of miles, seemingly. And Benedict Wong is like the main guy who comes and sees him all the time. He's also, he's never, Benedict Wong's character never been alive. They're like these God type characters, like angels. This is like, like an afterlife angels, type kind setting. Of, like their setting is in their house that's like a little prim and proper suburban house in the middle yeah. of the desert. Uh, is It's like an oasis and like people, wandering souls find themselves there. Gotcha. And so you get this series of people who find themselves at this house and what they're doing is they're doing a seven day interview process where they watch all these TV screens of different people, a POV point of their life for seven days. There's like 15 different people they're watching 24 hours a day. So yeah. you get Zazie Beetz, uh, David Risdale, Ariana Ortiz, Tony <laughs> Help, and Bill Skarsgård and Perry Smith. Those are your ones who are interviewing to be born into life like if they end up making it they get to go be born into life yeah um, the other ones just get erased from existence um kind of but they were never born okay kinda. it's it's a it's a weird premise at first um and winston duke's the one who decides that based on a series of like basically aptitude tests he they write they journal about their experiences like what was one thing you found impactful from your day of viewing and it was different every day and bro this movie is so Hard, it's hard to describe without spoiling it, but like it just made me feel so happy. Like it's just such an uplifting film, really? but also very mind twisty, which I really like. Not in like a psychological, like, in like a thrilling way. Yeah. Uh, but no, Nine Days is a beautiful film, and the cinematography is stunning. Uh, it's a gorgeous film filled with strong performances, a super unique plot. 
Um, uh, it almost works as a play, uh, which I don't normally like films that pl- work yeah. as a play. Um, but this one felt like a play, but it worked. I, I don't know. Nine Days is fantastic. I wanted to watch it when 2020 when it came out and just never did and then just forgot about it. Uh, I'm really glad I watched it. Uh, I'm going to actually have to find this one and buy it. I liked it that much. Like, I want to own it. Wow, okay. Um, but it's very much my kind of movie. It's very morality heavy, but with an interesting, almost sci-fi-ish, guys, but with a religious overtone, which I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Nine Days, fantastic movie, fantastic performances, fantastic cinematography, fantastic script. Uh, you can't you can't get much better than that. Uh, I don't know why I gave it four and a half. I th- sound like it's a five for me. Huh. Watch it. I think I want Abby to watch this one I'll, too. So. I will watch this and it end up being like three stars. Probably. <laughs> well, I could see like, you know, Dawson, he yeah. gave it three. Yeah. And long story short, I can't remember what he said about it, but I think it was just that it's kind of boring. I can totally, I may I be you. wrong. So I'm, I'll housekeep that next week, but I can see that though. Like, yeah. but for me, it worked. Like, did you find that? Did you find the, did you find the intrigue in that because you were more invested in the actors or actresses casted in these no, roles? No, because Bill Skarsgård has, doesn't have that big of a role and he yeah. was the most exciting for me, actually. Gotcha. Um, from looking I at know, this. like Winston Dukes, I feel like is is somebody that I'm you not, don't recognize, like you recognize him for the Marvel stuff, but it's like... And Us. Us is my big Winston Dukes. Yeah, I've Duke, seen no. Us, yeah. Um, but no, I, Bill Skarsgård is the biggest pull and he's like six, yeah. six build. I just remember this from Hype word of mouth so i watched it for that reason really i've I, never heard of this yeah because it was i think it got nominated for best picture wow. i think i'd have to revisit that or it got snubbed one of the two i can't remember but it was all around oscar talk a few years ago no i think the biggest pull for me was the religious guys of it and there's this yeah. overarching mystery from this one person winston duke is watching in his role on the tv and something abruptly happens yeah and it's like he he's trying to unravel that but also help unravel it through these people he's guiding into the world i don't know it's got like a subplot that I found very interesting. That's what immediately pulled me in. All right. And then the rest of it just unraveled before me. So Nine Days is fantastic. Um, so I have two more before the shared movies we watched. Are you done? Go for it. Because we have Men and Chicken together and Ant-Man together. Yep, that was it. Okay. So let me go to Light Sleeper. I won't spend long on this one because I did not like this as much as I thought I was going to. I gave it three and a half. I could probably be talked down. This is a Paul Schrader film. Uh, which if anybody's watched the card counter, that's really my only other no from him. Uh, which I no, not like an N O, okay, like K N O. Good. I love the card counter. <laughs> um, and it, they do have some similarities, and I'm excited for his movie that comes out later this year, uh, The Master Gardener with Joel Edgerton. Uh, that's one a high one on my watch list. Um, and I've heard really good things about Ethan Hawke's First Reformed, um, but I haven't seen it. So I, but you know, Paul Schrader's great. He wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raging Bull. I mean. Dude's a Hollywood legend, okay? Yeah. So with Light Sleeper, you know, you got Willem Dafoe, Susan Sarandon, like Sam Rock, young Sam Rockwell, young David Spade. Like, I was sold on this, right? So the letterbox synopsis was, he was a good man in a deadly business. She was his only way out. You know, those older movies got those weird, like, all caps headlines, pull, right? Yeah. It's, but it says, a drug dealer with upscale clientele is having moral problems going about his daily deliveries. A reformed addict, he has never gotten over the wife that left him. And the couple that use him for deliveries worry about his mental well-being and his effectiveness at his job. Meanwhile, someone is killing women in apparently drug-related incident. Okay? Very Paul Schrader one-on-one. So Willem Dafoe is your recovering sober drug addict who is a drug dealer for, for only high-end clientele. Like Susan Sarandon is young, obviously. here. This came out in 1992, the year I was born. Um, and, you know, they only deliver to, like, the rich and the famous. 
So they go into like these really nice clubs. They don't do like underhanded drugs or stuff or shady deals or anything like that. And like their main client is Vincent Garber uh, or Victor Garber. Uh, he's in every movie, yet somehow no one knows who he is. I always associate him with Daddy Warbucks from uh, Annie, the live action first Annie when yeah. I was a kid. Um, but anyway, he, he's like the main guy. He's like this millionaire, high class guy um, who, who he delivers to. And um, Willem Dafoe comes across as old flame who's sober. That's why she left him because Willem Dafoe was all strung out and stuff like that. So this is like this now he's like having this conflict. He doesn't want to sell drugs anymore because he wants to get back with his ex-wife, but his ex-wife doesn't have anything to do with him. Um, and like her mom's dying in the whole process. Um, and to make matters worse, Susan Sarandon, his boss, is getting out of the drug dealing business and starting her beauty company. Yeah. But she's not taking him with him to do it after all these years. So he's just kind of having like a midlife crisis. And he's diary journaling about it and all this stuff. And... Uh, as he's trying to get out, like I said, there's these murders going around and the police are investigating him because they're high-end clients, like girls that are going dead and they're happening around Victor Garber's character. Yeah. So they're starting to suspect that Willem Dafoe may be in on it. Um, so he's trying to figure all this out and then his ex-wife ends up getting, I'm not going to spoil why because, I mean, yeah. uh, Paul Schrader, it's it's worth a watch. I'll watch it. Um, you know, she ends up getting strung back out on drugs and Victor Garber's involved in it and he's very mad about it. Um. But, you know, it, it's a it's a pretty good, but this movie's almost, like, it's not a, when I think of Paul Schrader, Willem Dafoe drug dealing movie, I was expecting something gritty and violent. Yeah. This is not that at all. This is a love story. Yeah. I was about to say, it, it's, it's labeled is, more a drama. Yeah, this is very much a drama. And I just, maybe if I would have read a little bit more about it. Yeah. But I, it's 103 minutes long. Feels a little long for what it is. And then, like, the final shot of the movie it's very reminiscent to the end of card counter. Yeah. But card counter worked and this one didn't like the ending okay. pissed me off. Like it felt unwarranted, unmerited and forced, but so painfully obvious the whole time I knew it was coming. And like, I don't know, light sleeper just wasn't it for me, but I appreciate the quality of the film and the acting was all great. And so three and a half stars for writing and performance. Yep. But it just didn't quite hit the heights of the other one. But it's it's a worthy watch, especially if you're a Paul Schrader completionist, and it, and and it's a fun, gritty little drama or non gritty drama. So okay, I can do that. that yep. That's a pretty light. Yep. Uh, my last one, and this movie was a ton of fun, and it's short, and I loved this one. Uh, Nineteen eighty eight uh, movie. It's only eighty eight minutes long, and I gave it four stars. It's got an average three point eight rating. It's called Miracle Mile. The synopsis is: There are seventy minutes to the end of the world. Where can you hide? After 30 years of searching, Harry has finally met the girl of his dreams. Unfortunately, before they even have a chance to go on their first date, Harry intercepts some chilling news. World War III has begun and nuclear missiles will destroy Los Angeles in less than an hour. Um, I don't really recognize any of the names in this film. Anthony Edwards, Mara Winningham, John Agard, Lou Hancock. Uh, the only person I actually recognized was Kurt Fuller. And I'm not sure where. He's in Ghostbusters, Midnight in Paris, Pursuit of Happiness. Like, this face, you've seen this dude, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's a very small part in the film. But he's like the only person I recognize out of this film. So this movie was a blast. Like, this movie was fun, and I also want to find this movie and buy it. Like, I loved this. So the synopsis really does give it to tell you, like, Harry, the main guy, Anthony Edwards, he really does meet the girl of his dreams and agrees to go pick her up. She worked a night shift at, like, a hole-in-the-wall diner, and she got off at midnight, and he sets his alarm to go pick her up after yeah. the hotel, you know, it's late. And accidentally, the power goes out, so he sleeps through his alarm, and it's three in the morning. 
So he still goes there. Maybe she's there on an off chance. She's obviously upset and back home with her grandparents. And uh, while he's there, the diner is filled with a really ritzy government lady who's like on an early adapted cell phone and laptop Two like construction, sleazy construction workers, uh, what they call the tran- the hermaphrodite. Because, you know, that's what, what they, you know, yeah. they call them. And then uh, the diner owner, who's like an unhinged, like old school guy with a gun, and then like an air flight attendant. So you got like a very select group of people in there that make, make sense for the plot of the film. Uh, so she's not there. He, and he hears the phone ring, the telephone booth outside. And he thinks maybe it's her calling him. Like, oh, hey, I hear you're there. Whatever. No, it's this guy in a missile silo saying like all this military jargon. He thinks he's talking to his dad. Um, and it said the nuclear, there's an hour or whatever left. Um, we're sending nukes there and they're going to hit Los Angeles here, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you hear on the phone, like he thinks it's a prank call. Yeah. And then you hear on the phone, this dude gets shot to death on the phone. <laughs> so he thinks it's a prank, but he goes in there and tells the people and he gets the people real worked up. And the government lady says, wait, stop right there. Cause he starts talking about some of the words he said. And she realizes that it's legit. So they load up the car after a bunch of like, it's not true. It's true. And they go to the airport. And they're going to meet at the top of this tower, take a helicopter to the airport. But he's like, well, I got to go pick up my, my girl, my new girl that I love first. <laughs> you think, yeah, I have plenty of time. So long story short, the, the information starts spreading. People start calling their loved ones who call their loved ones who call their loved ones. In the middle of the night, you have all these people rushing to this building with one helicopter to take them to the he- airport. And then as time passes, morning finally comes. It's a series of missed opportunities. He keeps trying to get her. She keeps missing him. They get separated. It's very frustrating, but in like a good way, like purposely frustrating. Like they really did well organizing like the like you're just like agonizing at all the missed opportunities, but it worked yeah. perfectly. Um, and then at the end, you think it's nothing's going to happen like that. Time's passed. No nuclear bombs have gone off. And he's thinking, what have I done? Because now all L.A.'s packed like like because enough word is spread. Kind of like, you know, you start a fire, it just spreads. Yeah. And now people think nuclear wars here and nothing's happening. And it's way past time. I don't want to spoil or anything. Yes, yeah, so, so I will watch this. This was great. <laughs> I will and watch. like the end, like I was sitting there, like I thought it was so predictable. And then it didn't end up being predictable. Then it ended up being predictable. Then it wasn't like, this is a great sleeper find. Like I yeah. loved Miracle Mile. Mile. Um, the director's only directed three films, Miracle Mile, Cherry 2000 and Tarzana. Huh. Never no, heard of those. No, me neither. Uh, so I bet this is a one-off hit for him, but Miracle Mile was fantastic. I four stars can't recommend that one enough. I, I, it could have been more. Um, I think if it was a little longer, actually, this is one of those ones I think I could have had another 20, 30 minutes yeah. of, and it would have been better for it, but I appreciate the short run time for it. An hour, 28 minutes. It's great. So awesome. Yep. Miracle Mile. Now we're up to the one. So hang on. I, I want to rate real quick. If you, okay. out of the ones I've said that you didn't watch, if I was going to recommend two for you to watch, it'd be sexy beast and miracle mile. Those are my top two of that list. I think I'd I think I'll add Light Sleeper in there because that honestly that I'll take Shelter's better than Light Sleeper by a landslide. Well, I, I understand, but like those three seem the most interested yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, not the price we pay. No, definitely not that. <laughs> but no, yeah. Uh I mean, Nine Days is objectively the best film out of all of those. Yeah. But man, Miracle Mile and Sexy Beast were just a blast. Okay. So um, you want to do men and ch- let's do men and chicken first. Let's end with yeah. Ant Man and Quantum Yeah, let's do that. I want to hear your thoughts on men and chicken. So you, you <laughs> kick us off. This was a so I found a I'm talking like eighty to hundred movies on a Twitter thread. I cannot remember who it was who said, yeah. "What are the films that are that 
no one's seen, but you were convinced are masterpieces. Yeah. So I went through this thing and I found a bunch of these films and these are the films that I chose to watch off of them first. I was like, oh it, my gosh. So I went back and revisited that thread because these were all bangers mostly. Yeah. And I've added a bunch. My watch list had zero. Now it has like 800. Really? <laughs> Not 800, but I have a couple <laughs> hundred now. Uh, so I'd actually heard of this movie before you had messaged me. I'd never. It had showed up on, on one of my one of my feeds of the, you know, where we watched. I think we watched this on Hulu. Yes. Because uh, after I watched Pusher recently, mm-hmm. I think it was just because Matt's Mad, in Nicholson, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since he's in it, uh, what it, a weird film for him to be in. This is not Mad dude, typical Mads. It is though. It, like, it is. It's, but I've never seen a Mads like this. I've never seen yeah, Mads like this. Whenever he's kind of enthralled in the international, just kind of like uh, uh, filmmaking style that this obviously has. Yeah. I mean it. It worked. Um, I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Um I don't think I like this movie as much as you. What'd you give it? I gave uh, it four. Three, I think three and a half. That's about close. Yeah. I gave it four. Some people are giving it like five. It's definitely not a five star film. This is a weird ass movie. Yeah. Like, and, absolutely. That, it, and that means it's a Jonathan ass movie. Uh but not like a weird when I say in typically weird movies, that means it's like a drug, you know, visceral, yeah. lucid, visual, you know, or, or orgy of things, you know? Yeah. This is not that. This is just Honestly, just weird. No, I, I, I did think uh, the off the wall, just kind of like kookiness of it all was what drew me into it. I had a shockingly touching, tender, heartfelt story it, behind it, it all. I know, but it, there was so much jerking off. So much. Well, he can't help it. He can't help it, man. Bestiality, baby. Be- <laughs> Which we don't want to talk about too much without spoiling it. Because I definitely recommend this is a film. Yeah, we're people talking must about watch. this. Yeah, like, we're talking this is about a this. must watch film. Yes. And, you know, unless we just preface, say, like I said, I was going to spoil the price we pay because nobody's going to see it. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil the movies. Let's just go ahead and make it a pact right here. Yeah. We're not going to spoil the films on our Tuesday episodes that we've watched unless we give a direct spoil warning because I <laughs> okay. think people should watch them. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think people should watch them. We're right. Re- this is our like movie so recommendations. So we're going to open Thursday's episode with the spoilers just like brow, 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 here they are. What, what for, for Brazil and Zero <laughs> yeah. Theorem? Oh yeah, because those are deep dives. So. Uh, no, I, so yeah, they're, the reveal to this movie I feel like was predictable by the well, because there were there were elements of this that were kind of at the forefront. You're talking about with the dad? No, I, I think the reveal of the sons. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Basically, so without spoiling. But the so like the opening scene that we get when they're doing the storytelling of the two brothers mm-hmm. and everything, uh, for them to tie that into the ending, mm-hmm. how they did. Yeah, it was great for I thought, yeah, it, it definitely I think if I was to do a rewatch of it, knowing what I know now, watching that again. I would probably it's a half half star difference for me. Yeah. Um it, it was it was just kind of slow. I think overall at first it took a minute for me. No, I, I think it was it was when they were at the house. Whenever oh, all see, these I brothers love, were that like, works for me, man. I, I love the again, brother interactions once they got settled in with each other. Who was your favorite brother? Probably the uh mouse. Yosef. Yosef. Yeah, he was my favorite. Yeah, I liked Yosef. He was I liked, great. Yeah. I mean, I love Mads. Mads was great. Elias or whatever. He yeah. he was great. I hated the main brother, the serious Gabriel? brother. No, oh, the older brother or not older. The, the Gre- chicken Gregor. brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was known by their animals. <laughs> the chicken brother. Their plates. Their plates. Yes. Uh, but no. Okay, so men and chicken. Like, this is one of the more polarizing and like oddball films I've ever seen. 
Okay. But, and, and that's saying something for me, but like I was just saying, it's also captured in such a delicate and shockingly poignant light with emotional performances and a very striking sense yeah. of cinematography yeah. in tow. I was reading part of it from my review. Um, but and I said, it, like, I said, you've probably never seen Mads like this before. Men and Chicken is like almost the anti-Mads film. Sure. Uh, even though like it's not surprising to see him here because it's just Mads just feels like he'd do this, but it's also somehow not. I don't know. Like, someone commented on my review, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And that sums it up. <laughs> like, and like that's my quote from, I said, it's uh, magnificent, right? Like, question mark? Like, Mad, it, yeah. Is it? It's Madsness. It's Madsness. That's great. I missed yeah. opportunity there. But, you know, synopsis of the film, you know, you got these four brothers who are estranged, two of them, you know, Mads Mikkelsen and his brother. Yeah, uh, two, two brothers, father dies. They're adopted by somebody on like the mainland. Yes, quotes. they find, they find out that they were adopted. And so they yep. try to, sh- to search out their, their birth father. Yeah. Come and to like, find and out. And they all have weird impulses. Like the main, more serious brother, who's like a professor. Yes. Has like this. Yeah. Like throws up. Throws up all the time. Yeah. And then freaking Mads Mikkelsen has this like impulsive. Elias. Elias. Yeah. He just jerks off like all the time. Yeah. He's like got to ju- keep that toilet paper on him. All the time. Yeah. Um, But he thinks he's like a ladies man. <laughs> he thinks he's like, that's like the funniest ongoing joke. He's like this suave ladies love me lies yeah. about it all the time. He's like just a goof. Where is this located in? Uh, Norway. Norway. Okay. Yeah. The humor. Or Sweden. The it's one of those two, same, yeah, same type the, of thing. The humor in it, I think is what's e- even better because, you know, this is... A it's Norwegian, not an American comedy. Yeah, yeah. so you're th- there's no... It's a dark comedy. There's yeah, this no is a, English dialogue. Yeah. No, it's all so, subtitles. Yeah, it's all subtitles, but you hear the delivery of it. You're reading it. It, it just, it, it works. And, and the fact they all had hair lips is great. <laughs> like, yeah. it just made something... Yeah. Just that, except for Mads and the other one. <laughs> it's just amazing. And, dude, I don't know. Like I said, if we're not spoiling it, it's hard to talk about it too much, but the performances were all great. I thought they were all very dedicated to role. Yeah. Uh, the nursing home scene was fantastic. Uh, I, this is the type of movie where the director, like this is a, a passion product isn't the right word, but like you cast the roles that, uh, that you wrote them for mm-hmm. kind of like, so yeah. like, I think mad, like the role of Elias was written for someone like a Mads um, and so on and so forth with, with all the other castings. They just, it, everything worked. Um, and so what didn't work for me in this movie, I think was just kind of some stuff that was stretched out more than it needed to be. It was um, overlong. Yeah. It, it could have been a little shorter. But and the I, ending, like how it was executed, I think was, was perfect. I think mm-hmm. you just take out 20, 15 to 20 minutes and it's perfect. I agree. I, I actually akin it to, um, a wackier and more perverse recreation of the Royal Tenenbaums, but of Wes Anderson did acid first. Yeah. I, I th- got, I read your review before. I watched this, yeah. and uh, I I I felt the Tenenbaum vibes. I was which, watching. It and I was like, "What is this?" Fi-? Like, yeah. Especially when, like, in the middle of it, I was like, "Why does this feel so familiar to me?" And I kept thinking Wes Anderson. I had to go. I was like, ah, and that's the Royal and Tenenbaums. that is exactly why Wes Anderson movies always work is because they are like super edited, like they're super short. Yeah, and like this. Oh man, French Dispatch felt really long. Well, that that's more of the longer ones. Yeah, but, like very often do. It's not very Darling, often you see Darling, one more than... Darjeeling, Darjeeling. Yeah, it's like that? 90 minutes. I love that film. Yeah. No, I'm saying it's one of my favorite Wes yeah. Anderson joints. Um, and this is also like a... This movie proved to me that the, a, new, a really good Three Stooges movie would work. Yeah. This felt like a Stooges-esque film. I yeah. mentioned that somewhere in Dude, here. The, like, the pan or the pot. Oh, loves it. Great. And like the timeout <laughs> chamber and so all... There, there are moments in this movie where... 
heavy when, slapstick. When a brother, yeah, when a when a brother or something does something bad or stupid, the other brothers just beat them. Just find whatever they can. Well, they have like certain things that like they use. The owl, whatever yes. the, the oldest brother, just yes. beats people with like taxidermied items. No chicken. Chicken plate. It was an owl. No. He's beating him with like a stuffed owl at the beginning, isn't he? Like when they first show no, up. No, it's like a raccoon or something like that. It's some kind Either of Either way, he rodent. likes to beat people with taxidermist yeah. items. Yes. Uh, yeah, this movie's weird, bro. But yeah. I love it. I think Men and Chicken is a must watch. I think on a rewatch for Sorry, me, that it would be, it, it's very endearing. You put, you bump it up a half star? Maybe, I'm, yeah. I'm solidified at four. It's not going up yeah. or down. It's not a, but it, it's a four. So Men and Chicken, I enjoyed it. Um, all right, it's, it's absurd, but it's good. So you ready for the final it's, one? It's time. Let's jump in. To the quantum. Y'all are a bunch of effing haters. Like, I could swear <laughs> at y'all right now. Like, it's got a two point... I gotta look. 2.8, I think 2. is what 8 I saw. 2.8 letterbox review? Like, are y'all serious? Are y'all serious? Yeah, 2.8. Are y'all serious? Are y'all serious? I, like, you know what? I got some hate. Tyler and Andrew both just shit all over me for my review. And both <laughs> messaged me, too. Like, y'all are haters. I'm yeah. calling you... People like to hate the Mar- or like on the Marvel hate train now. I yeah. get it. I get it. It's fine. It's not It's not as good as it was in phase one, two, and three. Not even phase one. I, I mean, like, phase one was not that good, no, man. No, true. It's just, I think we looked at it rose-tinted because of what yeah. it was built Nostalgia. to. Nostalgia. Yeah, and it did It did do pretty good world building, but not the first few. But now, granted, phase four was very <laughs> inconsistent. Like, yeah. we've known Kang was coming for a long time, and uh, we're not going to do spoilers, but this yeah. is not spoilery. Um, you know, we, we've known Kang was coming, but we've been, it's been like, we never mentioned him. He's been in the background. You have like, like Black Panther, we caught up before him. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is arguably a better film. It's not, argue, it is a better film yeah, than Ant-Man Quantumania. But I arguably enjoyed Ant-Man more than I did Black Panther Forever. Yeah. Uh, Wakanda Forever. But it, part of it is, I'm, I'm huge. One of the things that makes Marvel so much fun, the MCU, like the universe, is what it's building to. How the well, movies connect and interconnect. And we've just had so many movies and yeah. tv shows that don't seemingly matter they're just telling stories like you have the movies i mentioned the movies that are mattered no way home yeah for all of its faults multiverse of madness uh really in terms of how it connects to like the impact of what the film we just watched i'm talking about oh, movies okay. that like yes yes sorry i movies I, that matter I in terms of the, like thanos like that build the yeah. actual uh, push the saying? plot along push the plot along yes so you have one division loki uh Multiverse of Madness, No Way Home, now Ant Man, Quantum Mania. Yeah, and I mentioned one more. Um, that's it. Those are the ones. Now I did say in terms of being good, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, but those would be the only ones out of Phase Four. Yeah, because Ant Man kicks off Phase Five. This is the first yep. part of it, or, or the first thing of Phase Five, and it's a great way to kick it off. Like, I don't understand why people are mad about this film, and I, I, I didn't read any of the reviews. I just saw the ratings, but I didn't want to spoil. Yeah, spoil myself because I will say avoid spoilers because the, the two post credit scenes are probably the two best post credit scenes I've seen since Phase Two. Yeah, like both of, none of neither one were a joke. Both were very serious and both were very like important for world building. Yeah, like, I loved that. No simple Ant Man will return. No or anything. No, like it was that both the both cut scenes were very impactful and yeah. very very good. Um. So I, I want to talk about it so bad. I know. But it's too, I, we'll, too fresh. we'll talk about it off air because I got yeah. some, yeah. <laughs> some thoughts. Yeah, I do too, especially about the second one. Uh, really? The yeah. first one? Well, the first one is great, but the yeah. second one specifically? That was expected, I feel I like. Don't th- I think, so I do a deep dive into a lot of the comic stuff. Yeah. It's very important, the very the setting and the name. Yeah. 
but we'll get to that. Like I, said, <laughs> I can't talk about it anymore because you know it's because it, uh, uh, well, I can't say anything. Yeah, it, it's great. But no, the post credit scenes are great. So pre credit, what do we think? What do we think about this movie then? I really liked it, man. Like I thought people, so, are, a lot of people are complaining about the CGI. Okay, we're going to the freaking quantum verse. The whole damn movie takes place in the quantum verse. Basically, what 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 are we gonna have? I so I didn't. I didn't have those type of issues. The like the stuff that stuck out the most to me was the the shrinking. Like there, I feel like there's a different quality to uh, whenever uh, you know you see the shrinking and kind of how that they interact with non CGI mm-hmm. effect people uh, that didn't seem as obvious in yeah. other settings. So I don't know right. if that's just attributed to the overall CGI ness of this movie or if it's uh, just that individual cgi effect yeah that was the main thing that stuck out to me um other than that like i i don't know i only think about the only other times we've had experienced a setting like this has been in a doctor strange type film right and even those like i don't think they were absolutely amazing but they were meant to be kaleidos like a you know more kaleidoscopic yeah no that's right no, it's word, a good, I, I like, like the word it's a good word it sure let's yeah, write it down kaleidoscopic. uh but um take and view on all this stuff and i thought overall this movie world builded way better than a movie like wakanda forever mm-hmm. like I, f- I feel like if wakanda forever if we'd spent more time with uh neymar's whatever people yeah. like and like I'll- that that movie it only would have elevated it correct and, and like th- Black Panther Wakanda Forever because I've seen people because I'm not the only one saying I'm where you and I are in a minority yeah. right now but saying that you know there is world building yeah sure we get introduced to Namor sure we get the new Black Panther like Shuri's in charge and we get introduced sure. to Ironheart sure but that doesn't that just puts new characters on the board like yeah. I, I, I I have been waiting for the big you know it, Thanos was teased at what the end of the Avengers post credit scene the first time or something Thor maybe even I think it was Thor Avengers I think just Avengers okay yeah. you know it, we didn't waste much time getting there like four movies in yeah Kang's just been right on the with no but no one said his name yeah. forever like I don't know how many movies and TV shows were in phase four a bunch and yeah. I've only mentioned four that mattered like that's too much like they, they really stretched it out I don't think we're going to get that in phase five plus Bob Iger's back in charge so between him and Feige I think I think well, we'll get it and something in the news that we probably could have added um but this ties into this movie. It's, it'll be fine. Uh, Disney's just recently released uh, a statement saying that they're going to push back releasing television content, which is good, which is great. Like maybe it's oversaturated, two, maybe two a year. That's which much I think is better. Perfect. You know, JPEG was just about cashing those checks. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, the TV stuff is just it's it needs to be primer more than yeah. anything for these the overall aspect of what's happening in mm-hmm. these movies. Now I think lo- like. You know, movies that'll be or shows that'll be coming out this year, like Loki, and like uh, are that, that would be pivotal. great. Like if you had like a one division season two, which they're not going to do, I don't think. No. But they had like, but they are doing Vision. They're doing Agatha. Well, Agatha, like let Agatha and Loki be your big because I think both of those will have ties to this. Yeah, is Agatha coming out this year though? I think it's. I think it originally was slated to. Yeah, I, I don't know. Loki's spring summer, and then uh, Agatha. I, I think there. I think we'll. I think the difference will be if these spinoffs will be tied into the overall story if it's just like all people really resonate with this character let's give them a little bit of time to shine um but no my my issue not an issue the thing that i enjoyed about this movie 
was the aspect of world building mm-hmm. that almost had like a Star Wars type effect. A lot of people are akinning it to like, like a, a cantina type yes, very feel much. of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you'd said like the the love and and draw to like some of the earlier phases of Marvel that people are calling back to like why like like yeah this is a reset in a lot of a lot of ways as far as like setting up for a, a, a new mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, it does a great job. Like that's my biggest thing. That, you know, everything PT, which I, I post Thanos, yeah. has, you know, has been just you know flirting with the idea. This yeah. one fully sends Kang right in front of you. Like we now know, and we've seen the power of Kang. Yeah, and we know he's legit. Like yeah, we've had a lot of one-off villains, and arguably some that shouldn't have been. Like Gore the God Butcher yeah. should not have been a one-off villain. Yeah. Um, Kang definitely he's not major sound like an eight picture deal and that's not including I don't think yeah. a television show so you know he's going to be around for a while which leads which if they follow the comic arc which I'm assuming they will you're we're going to get secret wars which will be yeah this is all leading up to, to secret which wars. will be arguably well not arguably it'll be way bigger than yeah infinity, infinity war. war which you know is interesting right now speaking of Kang one of the new comics that just released that Oh, they pulled the this writer specifically. They pulled a lot of work for, to kind of move the Thanos yeah. needle around. Kang broke the timeline, and the reason he was outcast because they were trying to stop Unstoppable Thanos, who got all the Infinity Stones in another timeline yeah. and wielded them into Moliner. Moliner, yeah. and that's why Kang is hell bent on stopping Unstoppable Thanos. Can you imagine if they bring Thanos back? <sighs> I don't really want them to do that. That'd be neat. What if it's not Josh Brolin? I think he would come oh, back to play that, that yeah. but, but I'm just saying, like paycheck. in a, in a world where multiverse. No, I want Noel. I want this all to lead to freaking Noel. Give me <laughs> Noel, the god of the symbiotes. Yeah, who's like who rips, who literally rips Century in half in the comics. That's like the Superman of Marvel. We even got introduced yet to, no. which is coming. Yeah, um, he's like one of the most powerful people in all of Marvel. And he literally rips him in half, head to toe. Like that's what I want. Yeah. So I watched this movie actually this morning with Caitlin, and when we walked in the movie, this is I don't think this will be any any type of spoiler. Um, if I mentioned this and you're like, oh, that's definitely a spoiler, I'll just cut this okay. out. But when we walked out of the movie, Caitlin's like immediate reaction to it is like, it was like, why would they want to stop Kang? Like he's, he's obviously, no, I don't think that's a spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Like, like if, I mean, because you know, the whole point of it, he's trying to get out of, of the quantum of realm. The quantum realm. Mm-hmm. He's been exiled by the council mm-hmm. council of Kang. Yeah. Uh, because he's basically destroying all these different uh, timelines. Which is what Kangs do. Which is what they do. They're so at all-out yeah. war with one another. Yeah. Um, but this Kang is doing it because he's solely motivated by the fact that of, he's seen something that is like, hey, I don't care. This is greater than our need for conquer- like, conquest. Like, I have to stop myself. Yes. In the sense of his other selves. But, but you're led to believe also. This is why Jonathan Majors is so it's great. So and I thought the good, writing dude. was so good. Like, yeah. it's cryptic enough. Like, you don't trust him. I so here's here's my big critique on this movie that isn't even really a, a, a critique because I I do feel like we'll we'll get this at some point. Mm-hmm. But as far as this is an Ant Man movie, this isn't a yes. Kang movie. No. So it's that's what we have to remember is there the different Ant Man like elements of a show that's like kind of quirky mm-hmm. and uh, kind of campy in some ways. Uh, we lose that because we're thrown in such a dark, serious, like yep. theme. There's stakes. Like yeah. this is the first Ant Man movie that has stakes. Well, like th- all of them have stakes, but it's like heist stakes. Yeah, like this one is like world building yes. stakes, like saga defining yeah. stakes, and and, and like I, the whole universe. Like we're finally this is the launch. Said this is the launching point for what 
yeah the Thanos was yeah, like it, this is it. And at first, I was I was all on board for using a smaller type character like mm-hmm. Ant Man, no pun intended. Yeah, uh, to to kind of like launch that, but I didn't expect Kang's or Jonathan Majors just like just all star type charisma. Yep. To just overshadow it because mm-hmm. it is it's like he's very dark obviously very troubled um i think it could have worked better if it was more deranged yeah and, which and we'll probably get that at different that's, exactly do for this but but to character I, I feel like a paul red type character would have kind of balanced that would have balanced out better than an over serious yeah. uh king that's just kind well, of more I think portrayed one of the in this neat movie things about this is though i think we'll probably get more unique dialogue between yeah. Ant-Man and all the other variations of well, Kang so, that inevitably come. Yeah. Um, because of this film, though. So, so in reflecting on this movie, the main thing that stuck with me is basically at the end, spoiler alert, the good guys win. Well, yeah, that's not, it's just what it is. Yeah, it's, that's, that's what it is. Unless it's Infinity War. Infinity War is uh, the only one that's ended where it's like, yeah, what? It is, the thing that, that sticks out is... Um, well, especially not do the good guy the good guys win with an asterisk. Even Paul yeah. Rudd's own after the, you know, the victory's over, he's like, "Did we win?" Yeah. So in Wait setting a up a new phase, like at the end yeah. of Avengers, what's the thing that's that that carries over through this? It's it's Tony Stark's uh, battle with um, like, like the alien, like wanting to put a shield around the world. Like they won, but at what cost? Yeah, like but now it's, they it's know. the mental turmoil of like that that falling through space or almost being lost type yeah. of thing and, and basically seeing Thanos type of thing, yeah. knowing that is out there. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this movie, Paul Re- or, uh, you know, Scott or whatever his name Scott is. Scott Lang. Scott Lang is yeah. dealing with that probability of like, what if wait, he was telling the truth? Did, like, yeah. Did he win or did, did we actually win or is yeah. this threat coming? And yeah. how does he deal with that responsibility? Eats bad ice cream. Yeah. Cake. And so that's, so I, some of the critique that I've seen in this movie is, is like, how do you expect a character like this to, to kind of establish a role in that? Like, is it too much to expect for, for someone to... Honestly, with Robert Downey Jr. out, yeah, I think Paul Rudd is a pretty good anchor for this. Yeah, but the, the critique is like how how you set that up Yeah, in a, in a proper way that's not super forced. I think... I think Loki Season 2 is a great yeah. way to segue that, and I think it would be great to have Tom Hiddleston <laughs> and Paul Rudd. You think he's going to make a cameo? Probably not. Yeah. But because of this film and the stakes in it, I could see that happening. Mobius and like, I'd love to see Owen Hiddleston? Wilson, Paul oh, Rudd, yes. and Tom Hiddleston together. I mean, sign me up all the way in for that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, like talking about just the aspect of this film too, we, we can talk a lot about world building, which is. Yeah. But I think that's one. That's the reason we talk so much about it. I haven't been this excited to talk about what's coming. Yeah. But that's because of this film. This film got me excited for the what's coming. Like I don't. So I don't think we'll be back to the quantum, quantumverse or no. whatever. Now, like, I think we're done eventually, there. well, I think we're done going there. I said maybe a brief yes. side thing, but I think we'll see some of those characters. Exactly. That, that, that's the point is that you need that backstory to, to pull. So from. I, I want to talk about them. Let's start, okay. start there. A couple characters I think we'll see again. I think Bill Murray's Kryler character. I Ooh, really we gen- saw, we no, saw we didn't. Eight. No, we didn't. No, we <laughs> okay. didn't. You get the assumption. <laughs> All right. Because you just see the little All right. the beast take him, but you okay. do not see him get eaten. Yeah. Um. So he's very much, I think, still alive, and I think this is one of Bill Murray's best roles he's had in a while. I love Bill Murray here. <laughs> it I'm was serious. short. Yeah. I, it, it it gave me Jeff Goldblum, Thor Ragnarok vibes. Yeah. A little bit. Which which we did get a little bit more of Goldblum. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I think this yeah. would be a fun no, carryover I, I character. You. To not not ever be a focal point of a film, 
but to be a fun no. carryover in some capacity. I really liked Bill Murray's character that worked for me, so I'd like to see him. Yeah. But my favorite one was, um, oops, I had it pulled up, but then that was really just my review. So, you know, in the uh, Ant-Man 1 and 2, you get his heist buddies, uh, T.I. Yeah. and uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, David Damashlian. And what's the main guy's name? Uh, funny. Com- com- I don't remember. I'm sorry. I just got out of that screen. <laughs> uh, anyway, j- uh, the guy's character's name is Veb, the little pink guy where you drink his ooze and you can hear yes. the, you know, this isn't a spoiler. This is just a side plot thing here. You know, you drink the kids, the this little beast ooze and you can now understand the foreign language. <laughs> um, and he's like obsessed with knowing how many holes humans have. I have like, seven holes. How many do you have? Eight. It was eight holes. No, seven. No. I watched eight. it this morning. It's eight holes. It was seven. Ear hole, ear hole. Nose hole, nose hole. Mouth, Mouth hole, butt hole. Seven. Hole. How many fingers is that? That's seven. No. Now, I swear they said eight. <laughs> seven. <laughs> seven. I saw it this morning. But he got an eighth hole. <laughs> yeah. But no, Veb was great. I loved Veb. Veb kind of reminded me of, uh, what's that Seth Rogen movie where he played that blob? Bob? Bob the blob. Isn't it? I don't know. Regardless. Veb was great. Loved that character. I really also liked um, Jamie Andrew Cutler's role of uh, Zolom. Uh, the dude with like the energy yep. head. Loved his performance. Loved that thing. Uh, but honestly, I'm going to be remiss if I don't mention Corey Stahl's Modoc. That's not that's not a spoiler. No. Everybody knows Corey Stahl's back. It he you know he yeah. he reprised his role as Darren Cross yeah. from Ant Man uh, one. Yeah, um, got trapped in Quantum Verse and Jonathan Majors kind of re- reconstructed him. One of the best lines in all of Marvel. Mar- I'm not joking. Like, is it in in a, in a funny way? But like, yeah. it's one of the most memorable. And I it's never too late. out loud at this uh, when he freaking bolted out. Uh, hang on, because I, I just need to see it. Uh, my name is Darren and I'm not a dick <laughs> like bro I about fell out of my seat yeah. like I just want I want to see the behind the scenes of him saying that in the oh, voiceover booth like dude. with that gusto and I hope he's not done I, it'll lose to the fact you know yeah, he might I be he might not be it's kind of vague I'm not sure I'm not trying to give spoiler. you know it's out there like yeah I, it, I'm glad they brought him back regardless I thought he worked in the confines of the film I thought it was a nice I was impressed carryover. how they kind of jump through those hoops of making that work. Yeah. Because I would have never guessed. And I love the jokes they made about it. Like, yeah. I mean, you can't make, Modoc's one of those characters you can't make unless it's like... Well, I think I think a lot of people were surprised that Modoc was going to be introduced in this. Yeah, because how, how do you really make Modoc work live action? I, I you know don't know. I mean? you, you don't. But they made it work because of how tongue-in-cheek it, it was. But then, Exactly. And tying it into how Ant-Man ends. Yes. The first so one ends. It really worked. I, yeah. I thought that was great. And we got some the tiny butt cheeks. Yeah, that was wonderful. <laughs> I meant to add that in my review, plus the tiny butt cheeks. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, loved that. In uh, the last side characters I mentioned, I really liked William Jackson Harper's Quaz, the telepath. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked his character. Because I also am a huge fan of The Good Place. And he plays Cheaty. So that's yeah. a great, great, great little Easter egg. What didn't work for me, though, I didn't like Michelle Pfeiffer in yeah. this film. I thought her... I, it was it was a lot. Her flashbacks were better than her yeah. main main stuff. I thought the flashbacks with Jonathan Majors were pretty good, but other than that, she annoyed the piss out of me. Yeah. Her acting, the cryptic nature of her character just drove me nuts. Um, I actually didn't think Michael Douglas's acting was all that great in this film. I feel like he I, cashed a paycheck, but I enjoyed his arc of the film. I 
like, he was funny. It, he was way funnier in here than I remember him being in the other two. It's sad because like we get to a point now where these actors get to an age where you start to question like how they are health wise, and I'm not trying to insinu- yeah. insinuate anything, but there were different moments where I was like, man, is he like is he all right? Yeah, I'd say because something there, just didn't land on me for Michael Douglas. Di- here. There's different shots and which. If I'm being honest, like this, this was like a two hour, two hour and ten minute long movie. Mm-hmm. I could have used another thirty minutes of I this. I could too. I actually thought it was a little under under short. Granted, I thought there were points of this that felt drawn out. Yeah, but at the same a time, redirected f- time. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be that would be yeah, yeah. that would be. I think it would have been warranted. Um, but yeah, he was fine. Uh, who didn't work for me the most was actually a tie between Catherine Newton and Evangeline Lilly. Uh, love Evangeline really? Lilly, but I thought her performance was this was the best Evangeline. Uh, See, I thought it was her worst. No, this was the and best. I hated watching her shoot those wrist blasters. Does it? Like it was like, like I don't know. They should have made it do like Buzz Lightyear, like a tap the wrist yeah. or something. I don't know. But watching her like, you know, that wasn't CGI. Well, the blast was CGI. You're watching her like jerk the her whole body. Doing that, I like. Gosh, I hate this. I, I had no problem with her. Uh, I mean, I didn't hate it. She, I just thought she was fine. Yeah, and I thought she got got lost amongst the rest. And I uh, same thing with Catherine Newton as Cassie. You know. I love her in Supernatural, but I don't much love her here. Um, yeah, she's fine. I I was surprised because I was kind of hoping for some Young Justice or not Young Justice, Young Avengers, Young Avengers well, coming. I mean, I know, but I expected you know, Kang like Kang forms them. One version of Kang forms them in the comic. No, I didn't. That's gonna be hard to pull with uh, Depend- Cassie. Dep- well, it depends on which Kang it is. That's what I'm saying. There's so many different Kangs. Yeah, we don't but know. she knows. Right, but are all the Kangs bad? Who knows? I don't know where they're going to yeah. go with this plot because they do vary from the comics in other phases a little bit. Yeah. So it depends on where they go. But yeah, in some one of the biggest comic lines to help stop himself, a version of Kang crafts the Young Avengers, which they have that. If I want to, if they go that route, then some of these other non movies that I'm crapping on do make sense because yeah. we've been introduced to the Young Avengers yeah. already mostly. A lot of, yeah. So if they go that route. Now, Kevin Feige was a genius all along. Um, and, I, you know, it <laughs> matters. Which, that. Who yeah. knows? But I don't know. Overall, I thought this was one of the most... It, it was fun, but not like, you know, what Love and Thunder failed at. It was too fun, funny, like yes. forced fun. This was just fun in like a ad- grand adventure kind of way, which is what made the early Marvel movies great. I sure. genuinely do not understand why people don't like this movie. that Like to the point where they're giving it like one and two stars. I don't get that. Like, yeah, like that's people have this. People are saying Black Widow is better than this film. Like, no, it is not. Mm-hmm. Not even close. I mean, Black Widow is fine. I give it three stars. Yeah. You know, but and that means it's good. It's fine. But Quantum, Quantum Verse is one of the top tier Marvel films for me. I think in my MCU rank, because now that I've, you know, I'm, I'm caught up. I watch all the Marvel movies. Uh, it is currently. What? Four, eight, 12, 13, 15. There's overall. like 30 something Marvel movies out now. Yep, and I, that's including the TV yeah, shows it's on here. Middle, yeah, it's 15, in the middle. Dead film, dead middle. Yeah. I have it above, above, well, so it's hard. I have Werewolf by Night and the Guardians of the Galaxy special in here. Those are short to have it, but I have it. Let's just take those out. I have it right before Thor, Love and Thunder and right after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think that's fair. This this movie felt a lot like Volume 2 for me. Yeah, so it worked. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I don't, I genuinely don't, I've yet to see a review that is swaying me to be, I don't, I do not understand your reasoning why you'd like this film to where it's so bad. Yeah. Someone make me understand. Yeah. And I, then I'll just tell you why you're wrong. I get fatigue, but in, in the sense of like, there, Marvel's been pushing out so much stuff for so long. 
Um, I do think there is awareness to that, and they'll dial back some yeah. of it. And maybe this didn't but, break. This didn't break the mold. Like it, no. we didn't reinvent the Marvel wheel. No, but we went back to a place that it needed to go. Like yeah. it, it, it set it pushed the plot along, and it was full of fun and adventure. It, it set it back up, but it also changed a little bit because we have the potential of having one of the best actors, Jonathan Majors. In, yeah, this in, is in the year. next foreseeable future. I, I sometimes actually wonder if he's like kind of bummed he signed this eight-year contract because no. magazine i mean great he's getting paid for show he, he is always going to be on everybody's radar for anything that he's in now because i'm telling y'all we talk about the top of the show magazine dreams is going to change his life creed's coming out in a couple Creed weeks three, yeah like i i'm, I'm, I'm you know i <sighs> actually have never been a big fan of the creed series but because of jonathan majors i'm into this movie yeah jonathan majors is I, he's the next dicaprio i'm telling you right here and now <laughs> all right i mean you know, he's right. old man He's not old, old, but well, I'm like, saying in older. terms of like respect, though, yeah, he's gonna garner that. Yeah, he's gonna be in that same breath. I think this Dude. is this is his breakout year. The facial twit, like there's different scenes and stuff when he's Kang, and like the, the moment with the single tear. I don't know if you caught yeah, that. Yeah, I did. It was fantastic. And the one post credit scene that involves yes, Jonathan Majors. I don't want to talk about yeah. it because it's a huge reveal, and I just want you to enjoy that. Yeah, but you're just you're just given a glimpse. At what an app. I, I understand more why Jonathan Majors took this role now because of the absolute range he's about yeah, to be so, able to show. He's basically going to get to do the James McAvoy split treatment for. Yeah. Uh, he had 10. said, though, that he's not going to watch this movie. Because I saw that. It, he doesn't want to dic- he doesn't want it to dictate how he uh, how he goes about the other roles. Perfect. I mean, yeah. total sense. I mean, take everything with a fresh, fresh. Uh, mind and all that stuff like i'm all for it makes sense i love it uh so yeah ant-man and the wasp quantum mania i recommend it i think it's very good yeah. um not the best marvel movie but it's definitely dead middle and that's a good that's high praise i mean being yeah. sandwiched in between guardians of the galaxy volume two and thor love and thunder which isn't a bad film i didn't like it i gave it three and a half i enjoyed it i just yeah. to me my biggest issue is it was too forced funny and gore the god butcher was wasted but yeah besides that uh so yeah that that wraps up on that you know because we didn't do trailer in the yeah. news and i knew it was gonna take up a ton of time so yeah we did it. This is your Tuesday release. So, um, you have any parting words? I don't. Make sure you watch all these movies and, uh, yeah. you know, tune in on Tuesday, on Thursday. I'll be looking for y'all's reviews on Letterboxd when yeah. we start watching these films. So, uh, <laughs> and I'll let you know if you're wrong on your, on your, on your opinions or not. And, uh, play Hogwarts Legacy. Play Absolutely. That. It's fantastic. That's what I spared y'all because I didn't, I knew we were going to have a week in between. So I played Hogwarts instead of watching other movies. I appreciate that because I was not going to keep up. Yeah. So, all right, y'all. We will see y'all on uh, Thursday for our in review of Terry Gilliam's Brazil and the Zero Theorem. All right. See you guys. Bye.